0: In the beginning of the history of experimental observation or any other kind of observation on scientific things, it's intuition. It's intuition.
1: two strings pod my name is hunter Morke,
0: and i'm amy donaldson
1: and this is our 60th episode and for this episode we have decided to do something very special the title of the episode is called diagnosing the skywalkers mental health in the star wars universe
0: this is similar to our episode harry potter and the pathological personalities which was episode 41 where we went through personality disorders in the dsm-5 and diagnosed the teachers with personality disorders That episode was about each disorder and which character fitted it. This episode, we're looking at four main characters and then discussing their journey, their attachment style, their schemas, which are facets of personality, and what possible diagnosis you would give them. It should be a bit of fun, but we found it an interesting journey to really understand these characters and what drives them and how their experiences have affected them.
1: It totally made me appreciate the last trilogy a lot more. Oh, me too. Yeah.
0: I think it's almost my favourite now.
1: (laughs) Yep. Yeah. Shockingly um, enough. Yeah, so we, yeah, I hope as you listen to this, you might go, "Oh, wow! Those last three films got a lot, a mm. lot more in them."
0: Absolutely. So, like the Harry Potter episode, there's going to be a quiz, but this time <laughs> I'll be quizzing Hunter because he's more of a Star Wars fan than I am.
1: <laughs> How hard is this quiz going to be? Because I, I grilled you. You
0: you grilled me, and that did come into my thinking about this quiz. <laughs>
1: She was printing the quiz questions out and I had to turn my back to the computer yeah. and, uh, and then the, the printer jammed she, on, <laughs> on the quiz questions. Nightmare. So
0: it was, I also found it difficult watching the movies with you because I kept on having to mark questions off my list because you would say the lines with the movie about <laughs> the thing that I was going to ask you. It was so frustrating.
1: Fear leads to anger, anger leads to hate, hate leads to suffering, <sighs>
0: It may not be hard enough, but I've picked a couple that I'm certain he doesn't know from other comments he made while we were watching the movies. All right, let's go. <laughs> yes. <laughs> As always, we would love it if you could rate and review the show. You can do that on iTunes or on wherever you get your podcasts. Ideally iTunes because that helps bump it up the charts and helps people find it more easily. You can contact us on at Pod on Twitter or you can email us at twoshrinkspod at gmail.com. We also have a website, www.twoShrinksPod.com. Yep. All right. Shall we kick it off with Ray?
1: Let's talk about Ray. Introduction to Ray's in the deserts of Jakku. A teenager scavenging for a living, marking each day. A defensive exterior, self-sufficient, but with a warmth that shines through. We soon see a tough side. She wails on the henchmen who try and steal BB. Also wails on Finn. Ray's core themes are that she doesn't want anyone's help. She rejects Finn and then later Han. She's highly competent and independent. She flies the Falcon in a way that we never see Han attempt. She fights Kylo off without ever having held a lightsaber. And she's frustrated when others can't keep up. Think Finn in the gunner's seat. In The Last Jedi, she seeks out help from Luke, but he rejects her, and she strikes out on her own. This begins her journey to deal with both her skills, but also the darkness that's inside her. Gaining confidence in her skills, but also developing a complex and unhealthy relationship with Kylo. In Rise of Skywalker, she is still carrying a large amount of doubt about herself, and seems surprised when her friends want to be there on her journey. She tolerates them being there, as long as they don't slow her down, but she ends up travelling most of this journey alone, confronting Kylo and then the Emperor, the latter with some assistance with Ben Solo. At the end, she's gained confidence, she's addressed her issues, and this allows a closer connection with Finn and Poe, and then the ghosts of Luke and Leia. So. What we're going to do is we're going to talk about her attachment style and then we're going to talk about her schemas and then diagnostically what we think might be going on for her. So Amy's going to take us through attachment style. So attachment style is a way in which psychologists describe how someone broadly interacts and interrelates with other people.
0: You can think of attachment as being about... A degree to which you fall along two spectrums. So there's the amount of avoidance of contact with other people and the amount of anxiety about being separated from people that you care about. So Ray's attachment appears to be avoidant or dismissive. So this means that she's high in avoidance of other people and she doesn't get that anxious about separation. So we see this in that she's reluctant to seek help from others. She wants to do things alone and if she's helped, she expects competence. So, you know, she responds to Finn with irritation when they first meet and he's not able to help the way she wants. She's surprised when they offer help and care. She seems put together. She's competent and self-assured. She doesn't show anxiety or fear, but that doesn't mean she doesn't experience it. Mm. Uh, She doesn't share her vulnerability with anyone but Ben and then with Finn in the final movie. She doesn't share her vulnerability with any of the parent figures that mm-hmm. are around her and she's self-reliant. You know, she lives in the desert alone without help for years.
1: Yeah. I mean, she she, she ends up showing some of her vulnerability to Luke but only really when she's having a crisis, mm. right, which I, d- I would say doesn't count.
0: No. In, it's in,
1: like it's, sort of, it's not like two friends coming together, two close people coming together and talking mm. and going, you know, look, hey, look, I've got this thing that's going on for me. When someone's in crisis and they're sharing their vulnerability, it's a little bit of a different circumstance. They've kind of lost that containment. Yeah. Yeah. So, if she's got this kind of avoidant attachment, Mm. right, what do you reckon that tells us about her upbringing? What's your theory around that?
0: Well, so usually attachment forms really early on in life. So, first few years of life. So, it's quite a non-verbal thing. It's not something where, you know, you're a teenager or a kid and you talk through things or you hear particular things. It's right from when you're a baby. Mm. So what this generally says is that she's had parents who aren't emotionally available or they don't respond. So people who have kids with an avoidant attachment tend to ignore their kids' needs. They reject them, especially if they're hurt or sick. It's not that usual nurturance. And they expect them to be really independent, too early yeah. and then often turn away if there's any crying or vulnerability anything like that so what people with an avoidant attachment learn is that they shouldn't express their needs because they'll be rejected yeah yeah, so yeah we'll sort just, of
1: or there's no point in, re- in, in expressing their needs cause it exactly doesn't, doesn't the people around them don't support them yeah
0: so there's a bit of a belief of like if i contain things and yeah. if i don't show that then i can keep the people around enough
1: Oh yeah, there's that level or two. Yeah. Yeah. I mean so I mean if you think about it like her parents was it her dad was a son of Emperor Palpatine. Mm. You know, you do wonder about the ability of that man.
0: Sort of intergenerational trauma stuff.
1: Yeah, or to be able to yeah. uh, do it.
0: So from my favourite to your favourite, how yep. about her schemas? Yeah.
1: So schemas, um so schemas we talk about these a lot, uh there's a branch of therapy called schema therapy by Jeffrey Young. There's a very great textbook. It's nice and yellow cover. <laughs> uh,
0: it's very yellow.
1: It's very it's a great. If you're a psychology nerd, uh, buy that book. It's really good. So schemas are stable and enduring themes that develop during childhood and they influence an individual's approach to life by serving as templates for processing experiences. So processing emotional information, cognitive information, affective information, all this kind of, all the types of different interpersonal, all this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And there's a questionnaire you can do and you can work out which ones you've got. And they're sort of like patterns that endure through life. So it's like, why do I always have the same problem in mm. every relationship I've ever had? It's that, so that kind of,
0: of template of what you expect yeah, and what, yeah. how you behave.
1: Why is it what people always treat me in this particular kind of way? Mm. It's a kind of classic thing. So... Along the lines of what Amy was talking about and you see throughout the, f- the three films is Ray is very independent. She doesn't expect others to be there. She always looks surprised. She's been abandoned. So we would say that she's got an abandonment schema. So this is the perceived instability or unreliability of those available for support and connection. So it's a bit very mm. similar to what you were actually just saying. Yeah. So, you know, Kylo says that they were filthy junk traders, sold her away for drinking money. And that sort of seems to confirm that she's worthless, which would be a potentially a defectiveness schema, which is a different type of schema. Mm. But then later on, she learned that they did protect her. So uh, the question that I kind of kept coming back to is like, why is Rey so kind-hearted mm. when Kylo's not? So Kylo's had what I'm gathering parenting for a much longer period of time mm. whereas Ray's been alone for a longer period of time so that was why like I had So my theory was that maybe her parents were warm mm. and that her avoidant attachment behavior sort of stems from the parents leaving and being ki- or being killed mm. and fendering for herself because she's still she's quite young in that but you you're not so sure on no. that theory.
0: Uh, well I'm thinking that We don't know how much of what Kylo says is true. Yeah. But also the way that it's framed is that they pretended to be nobody so that they would be safe. Yeah. But my thinking is, is that a small child wouldn't be able to tell that your parents were pretending to be sort of useless and whatever. You would just see it. Yeah and i think that because attachment starts so early i think maybe she had the base level of avoidant attachment and then this major event happened and yep. that then prompted the development of the abandonment yep. schema so that she might not have had that schema yeah
1: so it doesn't an answer why she's so warm though i mean maybe it's like a well i think maybe it's like countering this defectiveness beliefs maybe like, yeah
0: and especially given the schema that you're about to talk about next i wonder like, whether it
1: you yeah, the unrelenting standards so mm. unrelenting standards is Essentially, perfectionism is like this belief that you must strive to meet very high internalized standards of behavior and performance, usually to avoid criticism. Mm. So, this is a type of schema that balances out, is frequently balances out other negative beliefs about yourself. So, if you have a defectiveness schema, which is what we think Ray has got, mm. that's a f- the feeling that someone's defective, bad, unwanted, mm. inferior, invalid and important respects. Right, and that she'd be unlovable uh, to others if exposed. And mm. she talks about that in the last film. She does. You know, like, I'm afraid nobody knows me, mm. that kind of thing. And she talks about that darkness rising inside her. Mm. And if you're perfect, then you counterbalance
0: that mm. defectiveness. If you live up to all of these standards, yeah, then you might be just good enough. Yep. For that not to be true anymore.
1: Yeah, I mean, she, so she's she's worried that she she's bad, and that's that's potentially the reason that they left, mm. right? You know, if you're good enough, people don't do that. She's like 19, mm. and she's like this amazing pilot. Like, how much harder would that would a, yeah. would a spaceship be to, to fly than a than a car, right? Yeah, <laughs> uh, and most people are getting their license at 18. Yeah. She can look after herself. She's self sufficient.
0: So, I kind of think about it as that it's not about competence. It's not about being good at things. It's that she thinks that she's innately bad. Mm. Who she is rather than what she can do.
1: Yeah. So, like Luke, Luke is on this journey about trying to be a competent, you know, competent Jedi, mm. right? To be to, accomplished enough. Yeah, and you, you talked about like like I'm a Jedi like my father before me, and mm. there's like a pride in that. Yeah, with that's not Ray, right? Her, her being able to do stuff is, I don't know, part and parcel of who she is, rather than
0: yeah, her, and um, probably part of how she can meet some of those standards. Yeah. rather than actually changing how she feels about herself as a person.
1: Yeah, yeah, and so Kylie plays on these like these bad feelings about herself you know you you could be a bad person like me and so he like kind of tries to join with her Mm. you know and it's a button he pushes pretty easily like she responds to it you know she doesn't respond to anything else no right the whole time but when he hits on the defectiveness thing Mm. in all those like we were calling them the zoom sessions (laughs) the forced (laughs) zoom sessions um then it, it it gets a strong reaction why did you hate your father give me an honest answer
0: you had a father who loved you, he gave a damn about you!
1: I didn't hate him.
0: Then why?
2: Why what?
1: Why what? Say it.
0: Why did you... Why did you kill him? I don't understand.
2: No. Your parents threw you away like garbage. They didn't! They did. But you can't stop needing them.
1: It's your greatest weakness. Looking for them everywhere, and haunt so low. No one Skywalker. And mm. that's probably why she's alone, like, seen alone. You know, she hasn't fallen under the family of anybody else on Jakku, that kind of thing. No,
0: no one else is looking out for her.
1: Yeah. And, yeah, so, like, Unrelenting Standards, again, she's competent. That's why she rejects Finn initially. You know, she yells, "What? like, you know, we have a pilot, like, mm. whatever, like, I don't need you. So initially, she rejects him not because of this fear of closeness, but just because she doesn't need—literally doesn't need him—to escape. No. right? And people can't be relied on, which is what I sort of mm. thought about. Yeah,
0: and which fits perfectly with that sort of attachment stuff of they can't be, so I'm just going to have to do it myself.
1: Yeah, that's it. Yeah. And I mean, and then she does sort of gently pry open a bit to hmm. Finn in the last film in a healthy way. But only sort of after he had kind of expressed like they're all, all sinking mm. and he, he was about to say something to her. And so it's kind of like a, you've opened up, so I'll open up, mm. which is a really common pattern. Absolutely. But she does open it up to Ben, but in this like very dysfunctional way.
0: Which we're going to go over in great detail in <laughs> yes. the second half of this part.
1: Yes. the um, the um I mean, w- and what's interesting about this abandonment stuff is, you know, she's – Searching for answers mm. You know And that's That's that whole sequence Under the Under the island mm.
2: Let me see Let me see them My parents My
1: parents Please 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 And that's what she then Ends up disclosing to Ben mm.
2: I thought I'd find answers here I was wrong I'd never felt so alone you're not alone. Neither are you.
1: She's feeling lost and then the, the, the trilogy is about her resolving that, mm. essentially, at the end. Yeah. Yeah, so she's like, she's found her place. Mm.
0: She's found her connection. Yeah. And her Even, sense of self.
1: <laughs> Even though those people are dead. So and she's still. alone in the desert again. <laughs> <but> <laughs> That's it. <laughs> but still, it's, it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> So we want to talk diagnostically, right? Mm. We think there's a solid argument for saying that Ray has got post-traumatic stress disorder. So we're going to run through the criteria like the good psychologists that we are. So (laughs) to have PTSD, the first thing you actually need to have is a traumatic event, right? So it's not really clearly defined. It's certainly about parental separation. In the final movie, they're shown to be killed, but, uh, I don't think she witnesses it.
0: No, because they're they're refusing to give information about where she is. Ah, okay, yeah, yep. so, yeah.
1: So she she definitely would have witnessed something happening to her parents. Mm. You know, she's screaming, "Come back, come back!" Right, and in someone, what's his name? Portions is restraining her. Mm. Portions, <laughs> <laughs> and you know, general, and then also just generally, she's been a young woman alone on a planet, like fending for herself. Mm you know when she's trading, she's aggressive and defensive you know she's not been it's not a support environment so you can get ptsd from something happening to you mm. or witnessing it happen to someone else there's another you can also get a few frequently like if you're an ambulance driver or something and you mm. frequently turn up to crash events and yeah. stuff like that but we, we sort of think it's about her witnessing something mm. yeah
0: Especially because you're more likely to get PTSD and some of the responses that she gets if you've had something that's been relational. So, yep. it's been with someone else rather than, with, you know, something at a distance. Yeah. Yeah. So, that kind of points to something like that. Yeah. The second criteria is about intrusions. So these can be all different types of memories coming into your head. So they don't have to be visual. Sometimes they can be just auditory or they can be physical sensations. They can be nightmares. But they come in without you consciously going, I want to remember this thing.
1: So the classic one is flashbacks. Exactly.
0: Yeah. And we think that she's having flashbacks when she first touches the lightsaber. Uh, She's taken back to the ship leaving and she hears a bunch of screaming. And this happens at several other points in the trilogy. So when Kylo talks to her about her parents, we think she dissociates in the final confrontation with Palpatine, who's essentially the perpetrator. He is the one responsible for her parents' death. And she's sort of lying on the ground and goes floppy. So we've got these moments where she zones out and has... And is disconnected from her, her body. She's not present and she's somewhere else. Yeah, she's,
1: yeah. Mentally, somewhere she's else. mentally somewhere else. She's mentally somewhere else. If you want to know more about that process, we have ex- incredibly detailed discussion about that in our dissociative identity disorder episode, which we was do. 48? 48, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, she definitely dissociates at that mm. point. And that's when she starts going into being, <laughs> and she brings herself back out. Exactly,
2: yeah.
1: yeah. And another thing is that you can have marked physiological reactions to external cues that symbolize or resemble an aspect of traumatic events so say if you were physically assaulted by you know a person of a particular height or particular color hair or whatever and then you saw someone of a similar height similar uh, look mm. you would then potentially have like a, a very strong emotional anxiety reaction to that mm-hmm. And she picks up that knife when they're in the underground caves Mm -hmm. and and she has this kind of, you know, horrible things have happened, you know, Mm. this sort of shocked look Mm. to her. And, you know, I think that's another one of those.
0: So the third criteria is an avoidance of stimuli associated with the traumatic event. We found this one difficult to say whether she has it or not, but we think it's possible because the first time that she touches a lightsaber, it, it seems to be the first time she's ever had a flashback. And so if she has these symptoms and she'd been coming into contact with things, then you'd expect that she would have gone through a flashback before or had some kind of reaction before. Yeah, she looks really shocked,
1: right? It's like, like, I don't want anything to do with that. And she bolts out of there, Exactly,
0: yeah, which is classic avoidance of just like, I'm not going to deal with that. I don't want any part of it. Yeah. And she's living in a world where she doesn't have to be triggered. If she just stays home and just stays in that environment she doesn't have to come into contact with things that might set her off. So we query whether the avoidance is there.
1: Yeah, and and as a clinician, it can be quite hard to pick up that avoidance, I reckon, mm. unless you know a lot about what the trauma was.
0: Exactly, because sometimes trauma triggers can be incredibly specific and seemingly unrelated yeah. Yeah, until like, you actually know the story. So yeah. smells are a classic example. of Why does that smell set someone off?
1: Yeah, exactly right. Yeah. So the fourth category of... PTSD symptoms are negative alterations in cognition, so thoughts and mood associated with the traumatic event. So you need to have two or more of this list of seven. So we're going to go quickly go through them. So inability to remember an important aspect of traumatic events. Yes. Yep. Yep. So you know, so dissociative amnesia, that kind of thing. Persistent and exaggerated negative beliefs or expectations about oneself, others, and the world. So from the textbook, it's I am bad. No one can be trusted. The world is completely dangerous. That yep. fits with Ray. <laughs> yeah. Persistent distorted cognitions about the cause or consequences mm. of the event.
0: Yeah, possible. We can wonder that from her schemas. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Persistent negative emotional state. So that would be fear, horror, anger, guilt, or shame.
0: Mm, maybe. I'm not so sure. We're not sure. really sure.
1: Markedly diminished interest in participation in significant activities. Uh, I don't know. I mean.
0: Well, she doesn't. Do anything apart from scavenging and then taking care of herself and then sleeping is is all we see at the start. So you wonder whether she's doing anything that's enjoyable or that's social. I don't know,
1: like living in a nat hat would be pretty cool. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but but that's you. (laughs) Um, Feelings of detachment, estrangement from others,
0: maybe. Um, Um, um,
1: Persistent inability to experience positive emotions.
0: I think we see that a bit. In that she seems quite surprised when she's happy to see them, or when like there's these little moments where she looks like she's enjoying herself, and then they sort of close down again.
1: They're real flashes. You yeah. Know, there's a couple. There's a bit where she like puts a hand in the water coming off yeah. the falcon, or and there's a bit where she's sitting in the cockpit and she looks at Chewie, and she they share a little mm. like yeah, it mm. is like you but know they're rare. They're rare kinds. You know she's very serious and focused most mm. of the time. Yeah, exactly. Um.
0: So the next one is alterations in arousal and reactivity associated with the traumatic event. So the classic thing is that someone with a, who has been through trauma has a heightened startle reflex. So... We were in a class once and this lecturer did a test that he does with his clients where in the middle of the lecture, he just threw a pen across the room. And hit the wall. And it hit the wall. And what tends to happen is that if you haven't had anything traumatic, then you kind of, you glance at it, you're shocked by it. You might jump a little. Yeah, but it's not through the roof. If you've had something traumatic happen, you tend to go one way or the other. The DSM only includes one end of this, which is the jumping through the roof yep. kind of response to something shocking. What we also see a lot is people who just do not respond whatsoever. Yep. So or they'll be so delayed that it'll take several seconds for them to look over and see that. So
1: them. I've done this with two patients mm-hmm. and one patient, like I threw it against the wall. Like So if I went bang now and then she slowly turns her head to look at it, mm. and then I did it to another woman porn, <laughs> and she, I, uh, she literally jumped about a foot off the chair and started crying. Mm. I felt incredibly bad about it. So yeah, it's really, uh,
0: it's quite an extreme difference. Quite
1: extreme difference. So,
0: but for the DSM, it's only for the the jumpy end.
1: Anyway, so so she she seems pretty contained, mm. but let's get through it.
0: Yeah, so you need two of these. There's irritable behaviour and angry outbursts. With verbal or physical aggression, I think we see some moments of. It. She's quite irritable with Finn, that sort of thing. Her sort of base baseline is quite yep. irritable,
1: and she gets she gets that way with Kylo right at the end. Yeah,
0: yep. reckless or self-destructive behavior. This one, I say yes. Hunter says no. I don't.
1: I don't. I don't reckon you see her being reckless, or as you definitely don't see her being self-destructive. Whereas
0: I think her crossing the sea on her own to get to the wreck of the Death Star is is pretty reckless there's no kind of consideration of it Yeah, particularly
1: safety. like she would barely like what she's seen seen the ocean like one other time. Exactly. <laughs> like, and
0: they've all said this isn't going to going to work. She doesn't discuss it with anyone. She just heads off. Yeah. Yeah. Hypervigilance. So, yeah, she's constantly noticing early cues about danger. She looks alert. She is really fast at shooting the stormtroopers. Yeah. She's kind of she's aware. Exaggerated startle response. We think it's the reverse that Shocking things will happen and she doesn't physically jump. Problems with concentration. I don't know. Like I think
1: at times like her eyes are wide and she's incredibly Mm. alert. There's a lot of times where she's quite alert.
0: So is that hypervigilance or startle? I don't know. Mm. Anyway. We've got enough anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Concentration, we don't think there are any problems there. And sleep disturbance, we don't know.
1: No, you don't know anything. So it's been going on for over a month certainly seems to impact on a clinically significant level the last criteria would be you would want to rule out these symptoms being caused by a substance we don't think it's because she's on the Jakku wacky tabacky so (laughs) Diagnostically you can specify whether someone's got certain sort of specifiers. So with you know, she's got dissociative symptoms, derealization, you know, persistent or like current experiences of unreality of surroundings. So basically when the world around someone mm. is experienced as being unreal, dreamlike, distant, or distorted. Mm. So, you know, think the cave when she goes under the under the thing. You know, there's some sequence with Kylo and the world falls away. Mm dream like even like the start of exegol yeah you know that's, that's really really dreamlike, and she's got delayed expression so like at least six months afterwards mm. so talking about someone diagnostically is a little clinical dry mm-hmm. and certainly some people find that about psychologists so ray's journey amy mm-hmm. is about her dealing with her trauma right mm-hmm. it's about her learning to connect so the way i was thinking about this and, and what's interesting about ray and why i think she's such a such a great, great character, but a great modern character and a great role model, mm. similar to many of the people you and I have worked with. Mm. she She's had to deal with unpleasant experiences, memories, and, and all the symptoms associated with that. She learns how to gain control of them. And then she also has to learn to deal with the personality and identity effects mm. of the trauma. It's not just... Oh you know flashbacks But it's all the other components of it around mm. The way that she values herself And like our clients It's often worked through or improved By addressing the social impacts mm. You know she learns to not be alone mm. To improve their connections with others yeah. But what seems striking about Ray And, and what is common to many not, If not all victims of trauma Is that she's a true survivor You give her some encouragement The right support connection And Ray goes on the journey she thrives and she grows. Yeah. If you're a therapist and you're able to forge that connection with a troubled victim, you get to see just how strong and capable humans can be. And it's such an amazing journey to go on with someone. It is, Yeah. So we're going to move from one side of the dyad to the other side of the dyad. We're going to talk about Kylo Ren, a.k.a. Ben Solo.
0: We first meet Kylo as a masked leader of the First Order. He's controlled and controlling of others, ruthless in his orders. He's cast aside his parents, Han and Leia, and changed his name from Ben Solo. As the films progress, we see Kylo begin to interact with Rey to show chinks in his armour, fragmentation in his sense of self we see a complex young man grappling for control and pulled in different directions. Throughout the narrative, Kylo seems to be struggling with his past and with who he believes he's destined to be. He's conflicted, torn between the good and bad parts of himself and between connection and being alone. Kylo's journey is about him learning that strength comes from acknowledging vulnerability and making connection within yourself and with those around you. So, diagnostically, we're going to start with this time for Kylo, because we feel like then that flows on to the attachment and schema stuff. Much better. Much better, because it's a bit of an out there diagnosis for this one, but it makes total sense to us, and we're hoping that it does to everyone listening. So, we think that Kylo has dissociative identity disorder.
1: Which is better known as multiple personality disorder.
0: And we discussed this in a great deal of detail in episode 48, and so if you'd like to have more information about what the disorder actually involves and we use some other characters and things like that to illustrate it. Have a listen to that one. But the very core thing of it is that it's characterised by a disruption of identity with two or more distinct personality states, which some cultures would describe them as being an experience of possession so the disruption of identity involves marked discontinuity in sense of self and sense of agency accompanied by related alterations in affect, behavior, consciousness, memory, perception, cognition and or sensory motor functioning which yep. is a big mouthful <laughs> but So what does that all mean? Essentially you when you meet someone who has DID it feels like if you meet them on different days or at dis- different times that you're meeting a different person. Yep. They often present really differently. They feel different to be around and they think of themselves differently.
1: Yeah. So, if you think if you've seen the movie Fight Club, I'm just going to spoil the ending. (laughs) There's a quote where he says, you know, if you wake up at a different time in a different place, could you be a different person? Mm,
0: Exactly. Yeah. So, in DID, the personality isn't a unified whole, but it's made up of a core self or host. And then there's alter personalities, which take over when needed. So the alters usually serve to protect the core self and the vulnerable parts of this person. So we're going to talk through the core self and the three alters that we see in Kylo. So we think that the core self is Ben. So the name that he's originally given when he's born and we see this core self in a few places. So the first is in flashbacks from Luke and from him. When Luke attacks him when he's sleeping, he describes him as this vulnerable boy.
1: You know, he's lying down. Mm, you know, he's asleep yeah. <laughs> and waking up. <laughs> wake, waking up to, to the sound of a lightsaber.
0: Exactly, over the top of him. Yeah. You see it during and after the lightsaber battle with Ray on the wreck of the Death Star. You see it in Exegol with Ray. And then otherwise you get these little glimpses. So when he senses his mum when they're about to attack her ship, just before he kills Han, and when he's in the lift with Ray going up to see Snoke. So all of these moments have a parent connection or they're about his connection with Ray.
1: If you go back and watch it with the glimpses more than the the long sequences with the little glimpses, you can see the way that his eyes and his face shifts. Mm. His posture changes. Yeah, his posture changes. Mm. And so there's a real physicality in in, in looking at Kylo and, or Kylo and Ben. Mm. And the key thing with DID is that people flick in and out of these alters mm. and can be quite quick.
0: Yeah, and you can usually see something like a blink or like a head twitch or something like that and then it shifts over. And you see that throughout the movies with Ben. So in terms of what this core self looks like we think that when he's in the core self he's more connected he shows care for others remorse vulnerability his muscles aren't tense and his eyes are soft he's kind of present in the moment and he's actively communicating with people rather than what we're going to describe with the others where it's kind of like he's talking at people he's a bit shy a bit goofy and he's a bit more like Han in those moments, in his in his posture and the way he carries yeah. himself. He's kind of, he's more genuine. Yeah, I, w- I
1: really wish we'd got more of Ben Solo mm. in, in the trilogies.
0: Absolutely, yeah. So you're going to take us through a couple of altars?
1: So the first altar is the one that we see first. It's what, so what we took to calling Masked Kylo. When you first see him directing people into battle, he kills the unnamed character. Why didn't we get his name? I never know. I don't know. Please, that's. I hope that's not on the quiz. Um, <laughs> it's not <laughs> good. He's deferential to Snoke. He tortures Poe. Mm. He's controlled and controlling. He's cold, calculating. His anger is purposeful. He's psychopathic. I had no idea we had the best pilot in the Resistance on board.
2: Comfortable? No really. I'm impressed.
1: No one has been able to get out of you
2: what you did with the map. You might want to rethink your technique.
1: (laughs) Where is it? Guiltless, remorseless. Violence is an instrument. So he sounds and acts older. The thing I sort of thought about is like when you first see him take off his mask. Mm. He seems a lot younger. Mm, You're kind of surprised. Than than the man that was walking around, this scary, deep voice. There's a heaviness and stiffness to Mm. his body, right? Particularly
0: in his shoulders. Mm. Like, it's like he's leading with his shoulders wherever he walks.
1: Yeah, he's very still, like sort of like reptilian. Mm. Very still, purposeful, calculating kind of thing. Ready to attack. Yeah, and he is unmasked and then... The masked Kylo comes back when Rey escapes Mm. at the end of Force Awakens. And then you don't see him much in Last Jedi. And then he comes back in Rise of Skywalker. Mm. He smashes the mask in The Last Jedi. And we don't see these personality characteristics until he's repaired it. Mm. Yeah, again, right? And, And if you think about when that happens, he's gone to Exegol, comes back and what does he need? He needs to regain a sense of control and dominance mm. and so masked Kylo. Has comes to come back. back. Yeah. Can this with what we call angry teen? Mm. Right? And so this is the, c- creates a bit of levity in the movie, mm. but it's also quite scary. So this is so he can be masked. He's mostly masked, but he's also he can. be There's a couple of bits where he's unmasked. So when he's 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 really really angry, right? He's wild, uncontained. He's sort of younger in his movements. His rage, his veins in his necks, he's impulsive. There's like a really quick intensity to his behaviour, mm. and it's short lived, right? So it's a couple of seconds. Yes. Yeah, so he smashes the computers with his lightsaber when Finn escapes. Mm. Smashes up the room when Ray escapes. General hugs. He throws against the side at the end of Last Jedi, mm. you know, th- the final sequence of the Luke. Yeah. You know, there's, there's a lot of that anger there.
0: <clears throat> and I think the one that always sticks in my head is the smashing of the mask. Yeah. Because there's something about how it, how it feels really visceral, the yeah. way he smashes it against the wall of the lift. Yeah. But there's something about about that. And I don't know if it's a, that it's a face. Yeah. Or of what it is, but... Yeah, Yeah. there's an intensity there.
1: Yeah, and it's it's that teenager getting really, really cross. Mm. Then we've got Unmasked Kylo. You're going to tell us about him? Yeah,
0: so Unmasked Kylo we think is the most complex of the alters and it's the one that's got the most diversity in behaviour. So we think it comes out in three core ways. One is in toying with people. So when you first see him interact with Ray, she's tied up and he's like a cat with a mouse and there's this creepy moment where he says,
1: You know, I can take whatever I want.
0: Yeah, It's chilling. Um, Then you see him broken and aggressive, for example, when he kills Han. He's kind of got this vulnerability and teariness with it as well.
2: I'm being torn apart. I want to be free of this pain. I know what I have to do, but I don't know if I have the strength to do it.
0: And then the final sort of facet of this part is soft and inquisitive. So we see it in some of the four Zoom sessions, as we're <laughs> calling them, between him and Ray. Uh, and we'll pop in a clip that really demonstrates the softness in his, in his tone.
2: You're not doing this. The effort would kill you. Can you see my surroundings? You're going to pay for what you did. I can't see yours. Just you. I don't know. This is something else.
1: And and he's quite. He, and he's. Um. You said Goofy before him on the other role, mm. the host. But there's a. And I think there's a goofiness there. Like he tries to use the force, and
0: mm. no, it doesn't quite work. It doesn't
1: work. So so you see, the first time you see unmasked Kylo is when he takes the helmet off, and he's tra- challenging Ray, mm. and he can't. He can't use the force then Mm. to get the information out, right? And the same thing happens again in that sequence we Mm. just played. And, you know, he tries it, but he can't do it. Like there's a.
0: And he doesn't kind of push it. He just kind of goes, huh. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So, as a whole, Unmasked Kylo, we think he's the same age as he is biologically. He sort of sits in that mid to late 20s range. He's angry, vulnerable, manipulative he's trying to be composed but he can be rattled he can be angry he's inquisitive and trying to figure things out there's sort of a softness to his face but intensity to his eyes and he can seem wounded and approval seeking he's yep. quite complex
1: yeah that's exactly right mm-hmm. so people might be thinking like so why why would someone's personality split this way mm. what, what do you think happened to Kylo to cause that
0: So, usually DID stems from trauma and it stems from interpersonal trauma. So, something about someone who cares for you, harming you is the usual cause. So, what we think is that he had this vulnerability underneath, which we're going to talk about, and that then this event happened where his mentor and his uncle comes in and tries to kill him in his sleep. And he's woken up. And has to defend himself. And this is so shocking to his sort of sense of self and to who he is and the safety of the world that then he just splits.
1: Yeah, yeah, splits, yeah. Mm. So, the the other question that we had is why does unmasked Kylo kill Han? It's not mm. angry teenager, right? No. And it's not masked Kylo. Why is it uh, unmasked?
0: i think that it's because all the alters have to serve a role that's the the deal with did they all have a function yeah and they continue to exist because they function well and i think that Unmasked kylo is a bridge between ben and masked kylo you know he's he's sort of halfway between them in his characteristics mm. and yeah, Kylo's all about inner conflict. So the bridging part has to be the one to do it, to actually bring those various parts in to be able to act yeah, it on f- it.
1: It feels like the unmasked Kylo is the one that's trying to subsume and kill off Ben Solo. Mm. Right? Like and that the the angry teen and the masked Kylo are uh, are trying to you know that they serve a function to help mm. unmask Kylo, kind of like take over to take over right
0: and for anyone who's listening to that thinking that sounds a little bit outlandish that's actually something that's pretty common in yep. DID that there will be things like self harm or stuff like that that happens because one alter is trying to knock out other parts not realizing that they share the same body so it's it's quite a common common thing we just are seeing it in a different way in an external yeah. way
1: and he talks about like your son he's gone he was weak and foolish like his father so i destroyed him
0: yeah. yeah and so i think it's quite a considered move when he kills han and han's quite accepting of it you know they have that whole conversation and and he's almost asking for han's permission to kill him he says that he doesn't know if he has the strength to do it, and Han just sort of looks at him, and there's there's an acceptance there. It's not like he's fighting for his life or anything like that. There's just a a moment between the two of them.
1: Yeah, yeah. you can sort of see like a, a he, he's wanting to help his son, mm. but he's not quite sh- like I don't think he doesn't know. I don't how. think he quite knows how and what's going to happen, but he's wanting to help, and then yeah, and then it's like oh, hang on.
0: <laughs> and unmasked Kylo seems to be the only one who's able to hold that sort of vulnerability and control together at the same time to be able to do that. And it feels like it's something he has to do to be able to survive.
1: Yeah. So when do we see him switch, right? So we we see when he has contact with Ray or with either his parents, he shifts to a more vulnerable altar. So masked to unmasked or unmasked to Ben, Mm. right? So he goes from masked to unmasked when he first interacts with Ray, when he kills Han, when he Han asks him to unmask, you know, and there's this conversation, what do you think you'll see, my son? Mm. You know, Kylo has this uncertainty of who he is in every altar. Uh, a certain a certainty that mask Kylo wouldn't ask that, right?
0: No, no, he'd be certain that he was masked Kylo, yeah. not that. Yeah, yeah. and yeah.
1: also we see it when Le- Leia mind melds with him, mm. right? The reverse, right? So, bend to unmasked or unmasked to mask happens when he needs to gain control. So, Mm. after Ray resists mind reading, he sees Snoke goes to his, you know, parental figure and is vulnerable, and then goes back to mask. So he's back in control, right? Mm. Rise of Skywalker, he needs more control. Like I said, he goes to Exegol, meets the Emperor, puts his helmet on because he's got a he's got a goal in mind, Mm. right? He drops into angry teen when he's lost control of a situation that he felt in control of. So, that's mm. Ray escaping, Poe escaping, Luke coming out of the cave, mm. right?
0: Yeah, because we had a discussion about this, that you don't see it when he loses control, but things were already a bit out of control. Yeah. It's only when he thinks that he's got it.
1: Yeah, exactly right. So, what, so what does you say about his attachment style, Amy?
0: Okay. So, I think that his attachment style is disorganized. Yep. So, this means that you are, hang on, let me get it the right way, high on anxiety and
1: Anxiety of what?
0: Anxiety of, about separation. Yep. And you are high on avoidance. Yep. Yeah. So you neither want to be with your caregiver or be away from them. Yep. Which you can imagine for a small child is quite a conundrum. Yep. So what you tend to see in little people is that you see things like them approaching their caregiver to hit them. Or I once saw a kid walk backwards to their parent. It's the only way that they would approach them. So there's this kind of ambivalence in, yeah. in how they do that. So people with a disorganized attachment pull away from connection when they feel rejected. They're pretty anxious when they're connected to someone. They crave intimacy, but they have trouble trusting got pretty low self-esteem and it tends to be caused by a few different types of parenting behavior. So, one is dissociation, which we're going to talk about Leah and her sort of sense of disconnection and we're wondering whether this relates. Uh, Neglect and disconnection, so not being being present, so we're wondering about harm with that. And then also this thing that's called low parent mentalization so that basically means that the parent can't see what the kid's issue is so say for example it's cold a parent who has this sort of low mentalization won't be able to understand that their kid is cold if the parent themselves are all rugged up they'll yep. kind of go but they can't be cold because i'm wearing a jacket yep and yes yeah, so they're not quite getting where the kid's at and disorganized attachment and did both ...stem from an experience of trauma and often in a relational context. Yeah. So, it makes it makes sense. So
1: he's because he's working off a low base. Like, you know, you exactly. do... Like, the thing about, like, I, I, I love Han, I love Leia. I think they're really interesting, great characters. But, mm. you know, would like a smuggler and uh, someone who's really dedicated to bigger things... Mm. What would they be like as parents? Yeah, how present would they be able to be? You you could imagine, you could tell a story where they were good parents, Mm. but you could equally tell a very, uh, very believable story about two people who would struggle to be present with their child. Mm. And even if the child was a a good boy or a good Mm. girl, like, but then, like, you know, if they were a bit of a difficult child with a lot of, you know, that mighty Skywalker blood. In the previous (laughs) episode, we talked about how his grandfather had borderline personality mm. you could imagine them not being present not being able to
0: and in a them. environment where things are pretty unsteady in the in the world whatever as well as he's growing up how about schemers?
1: okay so because he's got like essentially four personalities mm. we thought that might be too long too complicated <laughs> so we're just going to go for a couple of core ones defectiveness and shame so that's him not being good enough mm-hmm. right for him what i thought about was like he's not strong enough Mm. right so he's not strong enough in the dark side he's got this possibility he could be good so it's not so he's like clinging to this idea that he's bad with this like intensity he's trying to prove that he's Mm. enough
0: right and ray really challenges that
2: you you're afraid that you will never be as strong as darth vader (laughs)
1: Yeah, and he's threatened by you know the f- their first lightsaber battle. Mm. He's threatened by the fact that she just like calms herself and then comes back at him. Yeah. He's like, you know, I can teach you. I can teach you. I'm really, you know, I'm. I, I know what I'm doing. Mm. And then, and then she like totally trounces him. Mm. And he's really threatened by that. So, we're talking about buttons being pushed. Mm. So, schemas are all about what button gets pushed. Mm. What's your button that gets pushed? You know, he seeks a connection with Ray because he senses her own defectiveness feelings. That's what they bond over. Mm. So, like in High Fidelity, (laughs) where Rob Gordon hooks up with Sarah Kendrew, the girl (laughs) that's just broken up. They're both broken up, right? They're both defective. They're both in that (laughs) defective thing, right? So the, the similar kind of thing, but perhaps mm. a little bit more extreme. Family <laughs> galaxies and in the in the balance. Um, so, like you know, and later on, he, he says, "I've done bad things. Mm. I'm a monster," mm. and, he, and he has shame in that memory sequence with Han, which is really really great because mm. the rest of the trilogy, there's all this music, and that's one of the few bits in in any Star Wars film where there's no music at all. Yeah, it's like just it's about dead them. silence. It's them, and you can just hear the ocean.
2: Mm. Hey, kid. Your son, son is dead. Now,
1: Kylo Ren is dead, and he's he's got shame there, and he can't even say it. Yeah, and and Han is is forgiving of him, mm.
0: and you see that bit where he sort of says that he he can't be good, he can't go back to Leia because. He's just too awful he's done too many bad things I'm, t- I'm too
1: broken and that yeah. and, and being very alone mm. is classic defectiveness and so what's interesting as a therapist is you if you have someone in therapy like that and you get past a level mm. with them there there can be a real intensity to the emotional bond between you and the mm. client it's really really interesting and really really fascinating mm. Uh, the other one's uh, mistrust and abuse. So, the way you describe that is an expectation that others will hurt, abuse, humiliate, cheat, lie, manipulate or take advantage. Selects abusive partners or permits abuse. So, Snoke mm. uh, avoids becoming vulnerable and trusting anyone. Keeps secrets. Mm-hmm. Yep. And it uses and abuses others, which is that getting others before they get you.
0: Mm. Yeah, it all fits, doesn't it?
1: So, that's that's mm. that's our analysis of Kylie Ren. Yeah.
0: I think it's quite... It's a shame, like you said, that we don't get to see more of Ben Solo, but we, we sort of see him slowly healing and slowly integrating, and then we don't get to see what that person's like. We don't get to see what he could do or anything like that yeah. because he he dies before that can happen. Yeah. And I'd be so curious to see what that person like. I would, is have, like. I
1: would have loved to have gone on, on an adventure with him. Mm. Yeah, it would yeah. have been really, really interesting.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's quite tragic, really. <laughs> Yeah, yes. So, before we, we move on to Luke and Leia, we have the first part of the quiz. Yes. I'm very excited. <laughs> you ready? Yeah. You look so excited. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm nervous. <laughs>
1: God, I hope I don't fail.
0: You, no, you won't. So, you, I've got three sets of quiz questions. Yep. For this first portion, I think that you have a choice between two subject areas. Okay. You can have equipment and droids. <laughs> Or you can have carriages and creatures.
1: Let's go equipment and droids.
0: Okay, question one. What can stormtrooper masks filter out?
1: Uh, they can filter out toxins, but not poisonous gas.
0: Oh, you're the wrong way around. Oh, <laughs> damn it. That's all you're thinking. Okay, question two. How many lightsaber colours are there in the movie universe?
1: Well, so there's green, blue, purple, and red. Perfect.
0: Did you know why? I looked into why there was only one person who had purple. Yeah. Samuel L. Jackson requested it. Yeah. That was it. Because <laughs> it looks cool. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and then there's a whole lot of YouTube videos about retrospectively fashion why,
0: <laughs> But, no, yeah, anyway. He just wanted it. What's on the inside of a lightsaber?
1: There's a kyber crystal.
0: Correct. What are Rey's goggles made of at the start of The Force Awakens?
1: Uh, there's, like, glass and then leather, maybe?
0: Mm. They, they come from something.
1: I don't know.
0: It's an old Stormtrooper helmet. Okay. Which droid does Yoda fight with in his first scene? (laughs) R2-D2. That was very quick. What is the name of the traumatised droid Ray immediately connects Uh, with?
1: Is it Diode? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yep. Follow-up question. What does Poe call him?
1: Oh, like Wheelie or something? No. No, I don't know. Coneface. Coneface.
0: (laughs) (laughs) What planet does Kylo find the Sith Wayfinder on? Mustafa. Mm-hmm. What are the names of the four types of vehicles you see Poe fly in? Uh,
1: that is a good one. <laughs> There's a TIE fighter, mm-hmm. uh, an X Wing, mm-hmm. there would be the Falcon, mm-hmm. um, and there would be the Jedi Hunter's ship. Nice. Um, I can't remember his name.
0: Yeah, nice. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> Final question yep. of this this round: What does C three PO say he's programmed for in an attack? Um, in hang on, what does etiquette and
1: protocol? <laughs>
0: <laughs> I didn't even have to reframe it. <laughs> Amazing! Well done. <laughs> you were so focused. <laughs> Laser eyes. Just <laughs> next. Good. All right, we're (laughs) going to talk about Luke. (laughs) (laughs) Then you can have creatures. (laughs)
1: That's it. So let's talk about Luke. We first meet him as a young farmhand on Tatooine, not wise in the ways of the galaxy, and he becomes a rebel, a resistance hero, jedo knight, and finally a recluse. His journey is about being good enough, a transformation from a farm boy to that of a competent man. The final trilogy is about his fall and living with failure, and trying to live as an imperfect human. Let's start with attachment. My thoughts were that he has anxious preoccupied attachment. He's got a negative view of self, positive view of others. He's dependent, he's afraid of losing relationships. He has emotional highs and lows, can be aggressive and is clingy on separation. So Amy, what does anxious attachment tell us about Luke?
0: I think it says that he has a pretty strong desire for connection, but he hasn't had those needs met when he was little, he had to really hunt them down. So when people are kids and this attachment style is developing, They tend to not feel nurtured by their parents. It's kind of like the attention's empty and doesn't quite match what they want. So, an example that's often given is a parent throwing this elaborate birthday party for a kid, but what they actually want is a quiet afternoon, you know, with cake and a movie with their parents. And it just doesn't quite match. It feels like it should be right, but it's Mm. not quite there.
1: Yeah, no, and I think when you think about, you know, he's got this farmer uncle Mm. who's his adopted father, really. They're, they're present, but absent.
0: Exactly. Yeah. yeah it's not quite they're, they're not
1: emotionally connected.
0: No. What
2: if this Obi-Wan comes looking for? He won't. I don't think he exists anymore. He died about the same time as your father. He knew my father? I told you to forget it.
0: These kids often think that they have to be good enough to get what they need, that... What having their needs met is conditional, mm-hmm. and so they often also end up taking on caring roles or too much responsibility for their parents, trying to make things good enough for yeah. their parents. So we see Luke form attachments really quickly and we see him happy when he's among other people. We also see him taking great risks for people that he doesn't know that well. Like he latches on with this intensity straight away. Yeah,
1: to layer. To layer. But also he forms an an attachment to C-3PO pretty quickly. Yeah. Like like, which sort of, uh, I mean, I don't know the intricacies of human droid relationships, (laughs) but he forms a, you know, he's quite happy to chat Mm. And, and have a good relationship with him.
0: Yeah, but there's not there's not a wariness there or a sort of checking the other person out first. It's just, oh, you're here and communicating with yeah. me. And let's then go. with
1: Ben, right? So it's, yeah. It's straight away.
0: It's just, yeah. Yeah. Like that.
1: You know, whereas, like, if you counterpoint Han, Han's pretty wary to be friends. Mm. You know, it takes a little while.
0: Probably the only one that he's a little bit more standoffish with is Yoda because he doesn't realise he's Yoda. Yeah. And then once he does. Yeah, and, kind of,
1: and also Yoda's, Yoda's not having... And Yoda's Yoda. But also, yeah, but also Yoda's not having any of it. No. Right, he's like, I'm not, I've am not. i trained lots of people before. <laughs> yeah. I'm not forming a bond here. Yeah, Like, yeah. I'm teaching Just doing you. my own thing. I'm teaching, yeah, 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 exactly, yeah. He puts in those boundaries. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And so, like you said, from what we see of his home life, it seems like he's helping out his aunt and uncle, and that his needs aren't front and centre of the family. And if these new droids
1: do work out, I want to transmit my application to the Academy this year. You mean the next semester before the Harvest?
2: Sure, there's more than enough droids. Harvest is when I need you the most. It's only one season more. This year we'll make enough on the harvest that I'll be able to hire some more hands
1: and then you can go to the Academy next year. You must understand I need you, Luke. But it's a whole other year. Look, it's only one more season. So schemers-wise, in comparison to uh, Ray and to Ben Solo, they both had defectiveness is Mm. what we thought. Whereas what we think... He's got, is a failure schemer, right? So, description of that is a belief that one has failed, will inevitably fail, or is fundamentally inadequate relative to one's peers in areas of achievement. Often involves beliefs that someone's stupid or untalented, nept, ignorant, etc. Right?
0: So this is what you do rather than who you are. Yeah, which is the distinction. distinction.
1: So he's trying to prove himself with harm. But
2: who's going to fly it, kid? You? You
1: bet I could. I'm not such a bad pilot myself. We don't have to sit here and listen and when he's young, he's sort of this full overcompensation. He's really trying to prove it, right? Mm. But when he's older, when we see him in the last trilogy, he's flipped. He's in the surrender mode, mm. right? So the thing about schemas is you can go into overcompensation. Mm-hmm. You can go into surrender or you can go into a schema avoidance, mm. right? And so you this is what you look for. So seemingly opposite sets of behaviours actually the one The one core issue. The one core issue, right? So he's surrendered later on. He's like, I've failed. It was me. I failed.
2: Because I was Luke Skywalker.
1: And he he has this difficulty being a complex individual with strengths and weaknesses. Mm. The first trilogy is about him proving himself. He doesn't know who he is. Mm. Even Leia gets into him about not being tall enough mm, like as, first. A, as a stormtrooper, like straight up, yeah. right? Like he's, he's not good enough, yeah. right? Like other people don't, he's not achieving enough. And what's interesting about Yoda is that Yoda like gets right at that core problem, like mm. any good supervisor, <laughs> right? Yeah. And he's like, He did my words not, did you? Pass on what you have learned. Strength, mastery, hmm,
2: but weakness... Folly. Failure also. Yes, failure most of all. The greatest teacher failure
1: is. And then that's Yoda saying, you know, this is your problem, Mm. like, and you need to sit with that, Mm. right? And it's okay to be, not always be good, or, you know, you don't have to be perfect all the time. Mm. Doesn't mean that you're terrible. Mm. So, we also think in along the lines that you were saying, Amy, like emotional deprivation schema. So, mm. that simply that's the expectation that one's desire for a normal degree of emotional support will not be adequately met by others. Mm. There's a couple of versions of that, but that's the main thing. His adopted family, they're not particularly warm, close bond with Obi-Wan, who's quite warm. Mm. But when they say he's not ready to face Vader, he's, he ignores them, mm. right? He experiences any criticism as rejection. Mm. So, he's not someone that's had a close, warm upbringing. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: So, let's talk diagnosis. Okay. What are we thinking?
1: In A New Hope, we don't... He's not experiencing any difficulties, right? Faces his fears in the next two films, becomes a hero. In The Last Jedi, mm. when we see him, we see him right at the end of Force Awakens, but in The Last Jedi, he's tired and he's broken, wanting to be left alone. hmm depressed perhaps definitely sad and grieving over you know he took responsibility of his nephew and lost him to the first order and then the story comes out a bit more Mm. it's a bit more complicated than that but you know there's this grief about failing his sister and failing his friend Han right he seems to be weary with the pressures of having been a hero not being able to live up to what he wanted to be he resists that pressure of Ray who who wants to be trained Mm. doesn't want to be this hero to wander out with a lightsaber to face down the mm. First Order, right?
0: Enough that she doesn't even say anything to him and he flings the lightsaber off the cliff. That's exactly right. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so, people were shocked by what we saw as a fallen hero in The Last Jedi, mm. right? There's a lot of, lot of commentary about The Last Jedi, let's not go into that, <laughs> but one of the most interesting things was that people were were genuinely expecting and hoping to see Luke coming out and being this, you know, Yoda type mm. and doing doing all this awesome stuff, right? And people were disappointed by that. Mm. My question is, why is he not more broken? Why was he not more damaged by the experiences? Yeah. Let me just run through a list of his experiences and just have a think about what toll that would take on you as a person. Adopted parents, aunt and uncle were murdered and he sees their bodies. Surrogate father, Ben Kenobi, was Killed, murdered in front of him. He rescues the princess and escapes from Vesta, which involves a lot of laser battles and killing, mm. right? And almost being killed. <laughs> he almost drowns in that trash compactor, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. Fun thing to do is always to try and hold your breath and to see how long it. like when he goes under the water. And <laughs> just, anyway. See so if you could survive? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, ta- he takes part in the attack on the Death Star, but he doesn't have any formal military training. And like, mm. and military training is interesting in that it does actually harden people up, mm. you know, help Desensitize people. Desensitize. Desensitize is probably the better word. Mm. He's responsible for saving the lives of the rebels, but also responsible for the deaths of countless Empire, soldiers, mm. staff, whatever, right? Empire Strikes Back nearly dies for being attacked by a monster on Hoth, nearly dies from exposure, nearly dies in another battle with the Atats, then fights Darth Vader, nearly dies there. Loses his hand And Also in that same sequence Told by the person Attacking him That That's his father Yeah Right Query whether he Attempts to kill himself Or not (laughs) We'll come back to that (laughs) We'll come back to that Um, Return of the Jedi He attempts to Negotiate His friend's Release From Jabba And then nearly gets Killed by the Rancor Then again In the whole sequence With the Sarlacc Mm. Right Then father figure two Yoda dies Mm. Almost eaten By the Ewoks Mm. Scary and then fights his own father, the Emperor electrocutes him, and then watches his own biological father die. Mm. Then in the final trilogy, there are events alluded to, right? The destruction of his school and the murder of his students by Ben Solo, Kylo Ren, mm. right?
0: Yeah, so we're thinking, okay, how has Luke not developed a major mental health problem? And our contention is that he actually did, that he developed stress-induced psychosis that actually Luke became really unwell at times, that he hid himself away and became a recluse to reduce stress and to go to the most unfindable place. Many people with psychosis often become recluses of sorts. And so so we go from he's old, tired and broken to no, actually he had a break from reality. And so Hunter's going to go through the instances where we think this is shown. Yeah.
1: So just go with us on this, but we're going to be forensic, right? Okay. He experiences auditory hallucinations in A New Hope after witnessing Obi-Wan get killed. Run, Luke, run. He also gets them at a time of high stress, which is the final moments of the attack on the Death Star. Use
2: the Force, Luke.
1: And also just after it's blown up. The Force will be with you, always. In Empire, his symptoms progress. He develops visual hallucinations of Obi-Wan after being attacked by a wampa and nearly dying on Hoth from exposure. Ben,
2: you will go to the Dagobah system. System. There you will learn from Yoda The Jedi Master who instructed me
1: He also sees him again when he decides to leave his training early hmm.
2: I feel the force But you cannot control it This is a dangerous time for you
1: In Return of the Jedi He seems more settled He's paranoia about his father
2: I'm endangering the mission, I shouldn't have come It's your imagination, kid
1: and delusions about his power. When you hear uh, Han talk about that...
2: Mm. <laughs> a, a Jedi Knight! I'm out of it. For a little while, everybody gets delusions of grandeur. Seem to
1: have come core identity features. So, so what happens in, in schizophrenia and, and psychosis is that over time, as the symptoms persist, they become a bit more core into your identity. Mm. He sees Obi-Wan again after the death of Yoda.
2: It can't go on alone. Yoda will always
1: be with you. Obi-Wan. And so so each time he has a hallucination of Ben, it seems to be after stress, mm. right, whether it's visual or, or auditory. Mm. It's sort of a, a comforting, leading hallucination.
0: Lets him know what he needs to do next.
1: Yeah, like helps, helps Luke process what's going on. What we see from the flashbacks to Luke and Ben is that Luke's Paranoia and delusions and hallucinations seemed to be on the increase, and that prompted him to think that Ben Solo was a threat, and that led him to attack or uh, almost attack Ben while he was sleeping. Subsequently, the temple was burnt, and you know, Ben caused that, and that seemed to cause further withdrawal of Luke from society and from everything. I saw darkness. I'd sensed it building in him. I'd seen
2: it in moments during his training. But then I looked inside, and it was beyond what I ever imagined
1: hmm. In the final trilogy he's withdrawn from society. He so go and have a look when Ray holds out that lightsaber to him. Hmm there is a look of fear and trepidation Hmm. he he's worried about getting involved he's worried about all the symptoms coming back he's not having so so in psychosis you can have positive symptoms so that's like hallucinations and delusions
0: and they're called positive not because they're enjoyable but because it's something that's added to what would be quote-unquote normal function. Yeah, and
1: then there's negative symptoms, which is something being taken away. Mm. And so that's that kind of their cognition, but mm. also like social interaction, things mm. like that very generally. And so, so he's not having positive symptoms on that island. It was an acto. Ray says, oh, you know, you cut yourself off. But he's got the negative symptoms of there. He's flat, he's disconnected. Ray says, you know, you're not busy, mate. Mm. Like, <laughs> and he also lives in a building where there's no windows, yeah, right? Like, which so is so common. Yeah, yeah. it's like a classic kind of thing.
0: Particularly in older yeah. older life. Older,
1: older individuals with, yeah. a, with a psychotic illness, yeah.
0: yeah.
1: And then he experiences stress through contact with Rey. She and him fight. So she threatens him with a lightsaber, asks him to come back to the Rebellion. She leaves. Mm. It's a pretty stressful encounter. And soon after, he goes to destroy the Jedi Library, mm. which... Amy's always upset because she loves libraries. Yeah, you never get rid of books. Anyway, and she, and then what happens at that point? He experiences a hallucination of Yoda, mm. like who, like Ben Kenobi is com- is comforting to him, is uh, reassuring. Mm.
2: Luke, we are what they grow beyond. That the true burden of all masters.
1: So, the tricky part with this narrative <laughs> is what happens on crate. So, that's that white salt planet with the red... Uh, I looked it up. It's red-hued salt... Syve, Silvite? Silvite. Underneath white potassium chloride. So, like, salt, right? Basically, I'm interpreting this as his symptoms have, have returned, right? Mm. It could be that he's actually on the planet... But he's thinking that he's back on the island, so that's a classic. That can happen in psychosis and also mm. dissociation. You know, everyone acts as if he's actually there, mm. and then in the final movie, you get like that one sequence of him and his symptoms have fully reemerged. He believes he's dead and he's a ghost, mm. but he physically interacts with the environment. So mm. The only time in all nine nine movies mm. do you see a force ghost hold hold something.
0: So, are you saying that he actually is a ghost?
1: No, I'm saying that he's, well, I'm saying <laughs> potentially he's not, right? He thinks he is. He thinks he's, so he's,
0: he must be real because he's able to hold something. Yeah, that's it, mm-hmm. right?
1: So, people were shocked that Luke was portrayed as things having taken a toll on him in The Last Jedi. Mm. Actually, the hidden narrative, or maybe not even the hidden narrative, the open narrative, is that things took a much, much heavier toll on this man.
0: So what we kept on coming back to was a question about what the force actually is within this narrative of Luke who's struggling with psychotic symptoms. And so we thought there was a couple of possibilities. So it could be real in that it can be used to can harness it to move things. But the more extreme elements feel like hallucinations. Or it could also be that it's a religion, a system of beliefs, and that all forced behaviours seen are hallucinations of a sort, similar to the way it was portrayed in Birdman. Yeah. So we're thinking about that there's a lot of disbelief from other people and sort of there's questions every now and then about you don't actually believe in that, do you? Yeah. And... Yeah, it looks extremely
1: quick to believe in it. Yeah. And then then Han says... Han's (laughs) dismissive.
2: Pokey religions and ancient weapons are no match for a good blaster at your side, kid. You don't believe in the Force, do you? Kid, I've flown from one side of this galaxy to the other. I've seen a lot of strange stuff, but I've never seen anything... ...to make me believe there's one all-powerful Force controlling everything. There's no mystical energy field that controls my destiny. It's all a lot of simple tricks and nonsense.
0: The film is frequently from Luke's point of view and so it could be similar to Birdman in its representation of psychosis. And Hunter loves that Robot Chicken gives at least one example of how the Jedi mind (laughs) trick could have happened.
1: These aren't the droids you're looking for. These aren't the droids we're looking for. Yes they are. Move along. Move along. Daddy, you're not even trying. Baby, it is 165 degrees on this planet. I can't hear in this thing. I was just repeating what I thought the guy was saying. It's not like it's my own motherfucking thought in the matter, okay?
0: So from this narrative, the Force or Jedi is a religion, which is what Tarkin describes it as.
1: The Jedi are extinct. Their fire has gone out of the universe. You, my friend, are all that's left of their religion.
0: Without special powers. So it's like Catholicism, belief. But the things that happen are largely hallucinations, a la Birdman.
1: Yeah. So diagnostically, if you're still going with us on this, I'm sure some people will be like furious at (laughs) us, but he's got periods of psychosis. If this is the case, he likely meets criteria for schizophrenia or perhaps brief psychotic disorder or schizophrenia form disorder based on how you characterize the timeline of the symptoms. So... To qualify for schizophrenia, you need to have two of these five. So delusions, hallucinations, disorganized speech, grossly disorganized or catatonic behavior or negative symptoms. So delusions, we would have said perhaps paranoid delusions, so a persecutory delusions, so that this belief that his father can communicate with him uh, from a great distance. So, it's not that his father's not trying to kill him. It's Mm. more that uh, his father's communicating with him.
0: And he can harm him from a distance as well. Yeah, That's the bit where it kind of crosses a line.
1: And a classic thing is a grandiose messianic delusion, right? Mm. So, that's I'm a Jedi and I'm special Mm. is a classic psychotic delusion that happens for people. Hallucinations, so auditory and visual, uh, (laughs) possible tactile hallucination. Do you want to explain that one?
0: Yeah, so often people who have psychosis will believe that they've had something implanted or a body part replaced. And... We think that the belief that his hand has been replaced with a robotic hand could fit into this. Yep.
1: Luke doesn't present with disorganised speech. So, one of the not well-known parts of psychosis is really, really disordered speech. the so circular, tangential derailment. But just like stuff that just doesn't make sense. Gobbledygook. Mm. Words you can't
0: sounds. follow any sort of narrative or sentence structure. Yeah.
1: Yep. So, he doesn't exhibit that. He doesn't really have grossly disorganised or catatonic behaviour. Han does. I mean, it was in Carbonite, but anyway, a <laughs> negative symptom. So that that diminished emotional expression or avolition. So that's like a lack of motivation, mm. right? There's a flavour of that in Return of Jedi, but also in The Last Jedi.
0: Mm. As with most of the disorders in the DSM, you can't just have the symptoms. It has to impact your life. And so, one of the criteria is a level of disruption in functioning in work, interpersonal relations, and self-care. And with schizophrenia, it needs to be different to what it was before you started having these symptoms. So, we're not sure about the change, but we know that when we see him as an older adult, he's shut off from society. He's not working or engaged in any sort of education or anything like that. And he doesn't seem to be looking after himself particularly well.
1: Fish and blue milk, you know, it's all right.
0: I don't know. He hasn't brushed his hair for a long time it's and his clothes are the same let's not
1: Let's not be mean about that.
0: <laughs> but there's also needs to be continuous signs of disturbance that last for at least six months. And you can have that where you have bouts of active symptoms, so hallucinations and things like that. And then other periods where you just have the flat affect The negative symptoms. The negative so, symptoms.
1: So, so we think that that would probably fit for him, mm. and he doesn't seem to fit having schizoaffective disorder or bipolar disorder. So it does; it's not his symptoms are not a mood disorder mm. related, and doesn't seem to be due to a substance or autism or anything mm. like that. So what's the big deal, right? Like we don't want to be making fun of Luke, saying, "Oh, you know, he's got schizophrenia." why this is interesting is it makes sense it's a coping mechanism for Luke for mm. this young man, a narrative like this to form, it's him making sense of what he went through, it's trauma themed it allows him to function, to control the power and ability to help and to contribute Luke went through a lot man, mm. like I didn't realise this until write wrote that list of things, mm. more than what he usually got credit for even though Han, the hero, is the favourite Luke went through a lot more and he still managed to do a lot And I think that's the really interesting part Mm. of that story.
0: Yeah, it is. All right, the last person that we're going to talk about before I quiz you again and then we take a break is Leia. We first meet Leia when she's a 19-year-old princess. Over the course of the films, we watch her move from a sassy, entitled young woman, who feels very much like an adolescent, through to an older woman, sad and burdened by her experiences and the responsibility of leading the rebellion. Leia's story is about loss and survival. She exhibits strength and determination, whilst balancing this with warmth and connection with others. We don't think Leia meets the criteria for a psychological diagnosis, but she shows us that mental health is about more than just an absence of mental illness. We often see people who have behaviours or coping strategies that aren't working for them. And she's a good example of someone who could benefit from some counselling but doesn't have a diagnosable illness.
1: So you don't think she's mentally healthy, right? Hmm. Let's define mentally healthy. What's that?
0: I kind of think about it as being able to feel the full range of emotions. You know, to be able to cope with these, to express them, to seek help if you need to. It's about allowing yourself to have responses to stressful or traumatic events. But still coping, growing, finding enjoyment, learning from challenges. It's about having that full spectrum of emotions that aren't overwhelming.
1: Yeah. So it's not overwhelming sadness. and It's not overwhelming anxiety. It's not overwhelming happiness mm. right it's a balance of all of those
0: and it's not that you don't have tough times or that life is entirely rosy no definitely it's not. that when that happens you know how to deal with it
1: and you get through it yeah mm. so therapist is not about helping people not feel emotions and not feel bad things it's about helping them not have them overwhelm someone yeah mm.
0: So we want to talk about what we think the core issue with Leia's functioning is. And essentially it comes down to the fact that she's pretty disconnected. So we'll work our way through from from the start and see where we get to. Yeah, let's do that. (laughs) In A New Hope, she's introduced as this sassy entitled princess. She banters with Governor Tarkin in a really ballsy way and has the attitude of an older teen. She doesn't want to be messed around. She's a little bit snarky and biting at her wit. bit. Governor Tarkin, I should have expected to find you holding Vader's leash. I recognised your foul stench when I was brought on board.
1: Charming to the last. You don't know how hard I found it, signing the order to terminate
0: your life. I'm surprised you had the courage to take the responsibility yourself. So she's contained throughout, but we've kind of noticed the times when you would expect her not to be. So she's contained when... Yeah, you know, she doesn't break down when she sees her planet being blown up. She comforts Luke after Obi-Wan, but, you know, not the other way around. Yeah, like,
1: imagine, like, if you saw your city destroyed, what kind of reaction? But, like, a whole planet? Mm. Like, that's unfathomable, right? You know, Obi- Obi-Wan, who's distant, like, if they're traveling on the Falcon, he has this, has this big reaction. Mm. But that's because he's connected with the Force, mm. right? And he's feeling it. Even the Rancor Keeper <laughs> has a bigger reaction. Yeah. And the Rancor dies, some left-wing militant turns up and kills his pet. Every <laughs> time I see that, <laughs> just no. like the Rancor Keeper. I'm like, it gets me every time. should yeah. just got an Oscar. Anyway.
0: Is it that he loses his pet? Is that the thing? Or uh, is that his reaction?
1: Well, no, I think it's his reaction because yeah. he's lost his pet. Yeah. Like, it's just like, oh, poor bugger. Yeah. <laughs> we love that Rancor. Yeah, probably. Anyway.
0: <laughs> Oh. We're now going to branch off into the Rank or Keeper section of the show.
1: <laughs> if if we had a Patreon, there'd be another yes. <laughs> thing on that. Mm. Contact us if you're interested.
0: <laughs> Rewatching the movies, I was struck by just how misogynistic they are. Yeah. I knew that they were, but then watching them again now, it was quite overwhelming like at different points I sent you messages going and now it's this guy as well because yep. it just struck me that it just it was everyone particularly she's harassed by Han in the Empire Strikes Back and it's just constant like it's comments it's him touching her and her going like don't touch me and then he keeps on going like it's yep. You, I think that it was passed off as sort of flirtatious banter but she's quite irritated and she is not interested for a large proportion of it. It's just, yep. she's trying to get on with, you know, competently fighting and providing direction to other people and he's commenting on yep. her again. It just keeps and on happening. And he's like un- undercutting
1: her. Han! Yes, your hostess.
0: I thought you had decided to stay.
2: Well, the bounty hunter we ran into when Lord Mendel changed
0: my mind. Han, we need you. We need you. Yes.
2: Well, what about you? need? I need I don't know what you're talking about. Probably do.
0: And it made me think about the ways that women have to contain themselves to keep themselves safe or to maintain professionalism in a workplace. You know, to be successful, she has to be able to contain her reactions. And it made me think that for young Leia, that disconnection, it serves a protective function. She's not being cast as this reactive person to what's going on around her. She's sort of just keeping herself
1: going so i think about young layer to my mind is like a new hope where she's disconnected by being ballsy mm. whereas in empire strikes back which is i mean she's still young but mm. older yeah she's in this position of professional power mm. role yeah and and she's containing herself and disconnecting like you yeah. sort of say and and you know you talked i've talked been around lots of women who uh you know and they talk about like in order to succeed i have to uh, subsume my emotions mm. at work. Yeah. Because yeah.
0: any indication of emotion is seen as hysterical, yeah. sort of, or you can't be trusted with judgment, that yeah. sort of thing. Yeah. yeah. So we see that as the films progress, she's sort of grumpy and prickly to Han on Hoth, subservient in Cloud City. In Jedi, she's pretty contained when she's captured and she kills Jabba. There's, you know, you see a couple of flickers of emotion in her eyes but Mm. there's nothing no outward expression of emotion No,
1: she's more just exhausted from the effort of choking him
0: yeah exactly she's calm under fire on endor and she's a little bit upset when she learns vader is her father but it's not much
2: yeah hey what's going on nothing I i just want to be alone for a little while nothing Come on, tell me, what's going on? I, I can't tell you.
0: And I think what struck me as well is that it's even more remarkable when you think about how women were portrayed in films up to that point yep. and beyond, that often they're portrayed as emotional and histrionic. If they're angry, it's kind of in an amusing way, like yep. someone stamping their foot and then or they're jump, laughing. Or,
1: or they're like jumping on the back of a guy exactly. in a fight or something. in yep. an
0: ineffectual way. Yeah. But she's contained. She's stoic. Yeah. The entire way through.
1: And that makes it stand out when you think about that. Mm. So when we return to Leia in the final trilogy, she's sad and burdened. There's a few connecting moments with Han where there's a jokingness, we see her sadness expressed the most when she senses Han dying. It appears that she's grieving throughout those films, but she's still very contained. She's still leading. She's still teaching others. She's fiery with Poe.
2: You're demoted. Well, wait, we, we took down a dreadnought. At what cost? You start an attack, you follow it through. Poe, get your head out of your cockpit. There, there are things that you cannot solve by jumping in an X-Wing and blowing something up. I need you to learn that. There were heroes on that mission. Dead heroes.
1: But mm. She's also able to be compassionate. There's that scene with Holdo and her at the end of mm. Last Jedi. And she's... Poe's been a right royal pain in the arse. But she's still being compassionate. Her composure is there consistently. Mm. So this disconnection seems to be protective from her inner struggles. Like I get a Pandora's box yeah. vibe, right? Yeah. That... She's scared the grief would burst out In therapy, if she was your client You'd have to tread pretty carefully
0: Mm, Yeah, and even when she sees Luke for the first time In, what, 30 years or something like that She's limited They don't hug, there's no tearfulness There's just a joke that her hair's changed And a softness in her face But it's it's nothing over the top No I know what you're going to say
2: I changed my hair It's nice that way. Leia, I'm sorry. I know. I know you
0: are. I'm just glad you're here. And she's the same when she sees Han for the first time, again after all those years. She's warm but contained. Yeah. And the most emotion you see her express is when she asks Han to bring their son back. She's being held by him and she's able to break a little and display some of her sadness. And then it sort of closes back up again. If you see our son, bring him home.
1: Leia's lost her partner, her son, her brother, her family, her planet Mm. and her parents, right? And instead of seeking out personal relationships, what you see is that she creates a new family with resistance that by nature is boundaried, has mm. limits. She is able to be a parent figure, but keeps people at arm's length. She can draw them in when she wants. Exactly. Yeah. So I'd argue she isn't great at forming a relationship with Ray. Mm. Ray looks up to her, but doesn't open up.
0: Yeah. I know it
2: looks like it looks like I'm making excuses. Don't tell me what things look like. Tell me what they are. I think I'm just
1: tired. That's all. But Ray deflects. Like, yeah, Ray the, says she's just tired. Yeah, which mm. which is a classic trauma response. Yeah. And Leia is, from a therapy perspective, uh, she's ineffectual mm. in getting the core emotional material. Mm. So I'm being a bit of a, <laughs> a, a stickler there. So it's interesting that Leia and Han both went back to their old ways of coping when they lost their Mm. son, right? You know, he went back to smuggling. She went engaged in the resistance, Mm. right? She blames Snoke, but I think that's denial, right? Mm. You know, she's still, and she's still got hope for her son like any good mum should.
0: Mm. Attachment wise, I think she's a complicated one to pinpoint in a way. I think she's right on the edge of secure and avoidant. So in secure attachment, that's what people would think of as the healthy attachment. It's about seeking connection, having boundaries, missing people when they go, but not being absolutely distraught, being happy when they come back, but not falling all over them and not being able to contain yourself. It's sort of a nice balance between different things. If she was securely attached, you'd see her seeking connection a bit more. You'd see her be a bit anxious when people left. And she'd be able to balance this sort of independence and reliance on others. But I don't think she exhibits enough connection to be secure. At the same time, she doesn't have the same amount of avoidance as Ray to be considered Avoidant. avoidant. So I think that she's someone who wants relationships and attempts to make the connections, but they're lacking depth in the later years. They're controlled and she'll accept help from other people in a professional way or to help fight... But we don't see her ask for personal or emotional support. She doesn't lean on anyone or, you know, get comfort, really, apart mm. from Han in that one moment.
1: And then she's still, yeah.
0: Yeah, she's still looking after herself.
1: Yeah, that's right. You know, and she sort of rejects him a little bit earlier. She says about, you know, and don't say the Death Star. You, know, mm. blah, 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 you know. We only really see her in public settings. There's a couple of rare occasions where we see her alone or one-on-one. So with Han at their last meeting, seeing Luke again as a young woman talking to Luke about their father and in, on indoor, right? Mm. And in those moments you see a little bit more emotion, a little bit more vulnerability. So this might I, I was thinking this might give us a clue as to why she's so contained and has avoidant tendencies. Like her her adopted father was a politician, so you would assume that she's seen him be restrained mm. and considered. And certainly Senator Organa, mm. the Jimmy Smith's character, is very contained mm. and you know as we talked about in the bpd pod the the one about anakin mm. her father would have been this fiery emotional thing and so i think it's like frozen right <laughs> <laughs> conceal don't feel mm. right you know that's what they say to elsa mm. and so she's learned to control what emotion she's got yeah yeah
0: yeah, it does make me think that she experienced some nurturing her in her childhood, but not enough to fully meet all of her needs, that something was missing that meant she wasn't able to f- experience that connection fully. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think schema-wise?
1: Uh, classic one that I work with a lot, self-sacrifice. <laughs> so, I jokingly call this the, the burnt chop. So, there, so a <laughs> chop is a, a, pe- a cut of lamb. <laughs> and
0: sorry i need a second
1: (laughs) so a chop is a a, a, you know a cut of lamb and so people with a self-sacrificing schema will take the burnt chop Mm. if there's if there's six chops and there's one burnt that person will take the burnt one and Mm. sacrifice themselves for everyone else so this is this an excessive focus on voluntary meeting the needs of others in daily situations at the expense of one's own gratification right so they want to avoid others feeling pain and they would feel guilt if they thought that other people were. And so, they have this mixture of anxiety and guilt. So, guilt if they did something for themselves and other people didn't get what they want Mm. and worry that other people aren't uh, suffering. Mm. Yeah, that kind of thing. So, it's this really interesting dual thing going on. So. I think she goes on this journey of selflessness. So she goes from backwards and forth. So we talked about surrender and overcompensations. Mm. So a young person, she is surrendering to it. So like in A New Hope in Empire Strikes Back, she is, at the start of Empire Strikes Back, she is surrendering to it. So she's being quite observant of everybody else. Mm. Comfort's Luke over the death of this guy. He's known for like, two weeks yeah. or a week or whatever, right? Even though her planet's just died, start of Empire Strikes Back, she's making sure everyone gets out, mm. right? Whereas at the end of Empire Strikes Back and in Return of the Jedi, she's acting for herself, right? She's out there to rescue Han, mm. right? If you actually look at, the, look at what the plan was to get Han out of Jabba's palace, like... Mm all these people are there, but there's no coherent plan, yeah. right? Like, I think she's just gone in there, right? Yeah. And, you know, she kills Jabba, right? And then she goes on this risky mission. Mm. She's just doing what she wants, right? And then I think in the last movie, the story is that she's somewhere in between. Mm. She's sort of trying to sit in that healthy space of not being too selfless and not being too... Selfish. Selfish, yeah. You know, and she lectures Poe on being not being too risky. Mm. So, why does she hook up with Han... <laughs> He was a princess, right? Mm. You know, and I think that that's because she's got a emotional deprivation schema, which is a bit different to emotional inhibition, which we also think she's got. Mm. Deprivation of empathy. So she's a politician's daughter. People with a schema select emotionally depriving partners mm. and do not ask them to meet their needs, mm. right? So that would be Han. Yeah, the
0: guy who takes off at any given point. Yeah. That's it. It's focused on his own stuff. Yeah, you know, and that's
1: not saying anything bad about Han, it's just that that's just describing his pattern. He's emotionally unavailable. Emotional inhibition, she would also have which is that excessive inhibition of spontaneous action, feeling or communication. So that fits with what we're talking about. Mm. So why Amy, why are we making a big deal out of her being contained?
0: I think the thing with Leia is that even though she's been successful, she's been able to help people the resistance wins through in the end all of those positive things but it's been at a cost for her you know she's missed out on connecting with other people or she's missed out on enjoyment and I think it's been pretty adapted adaptive for her she's been able to keep functioning in the face of some pretty awful things happening but I think that if she was my client I'd be concerned about her fulfilling her own needs and her Mm. being able to be happy and connected, not just focused on her work, to be able to process what she's been through and actually feel her grief because you get the sense that it's unresolved. Mm. Yeah.
1: There is that moment they come out of Lightspeed in The Last Jedi Mm. and the whole ship sort of rattles. And she's... She's sort of unguarded and alone, mm. and she looks she looks sad.
0: Exactly, and we spoke about how her musical theme is sad as well. There's this feeling of loss the entire way through.
1: It's a, yeah, it's a beautiful piece of music, but it's a it's a sad piece of mm. music.
0: And she's this, you know, great, strong, inspirational woman, and she's surrounded by loss right from a young age. And so, working with her, it would be that thing of helping her to process what she's been through and to work out what she needs. Because I'm not sure she's ever really thought about that properly. No,
1: yeah. no. It would be about helping her to continue to be as successful as she is, mm. but also living a warmer and rich life. Mm. And it's often a role as a therapist that you do get to play Mm. and when you get people come in who might not necessarily be diagnosed with a problem Mm. but uh, end up at your door and you get to see them blossom.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: So that's our discussion of characters done. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, we've got a quiz, have we? we?
0: We've got a we've got another quiz, okay. Let's and do that. then we're going to take a break. Yep. And
1: and, and instead of things we came across, mm. we're going to have an interesting discussion about the final trilogy, from yes. a from a new and unusual angle.
0: And then one last bit of <laughs> quiz.
1: Okay. <laughs> okay. <All> right. <laughs> yeah. So good. If I stuff this up, then uh, I can try again. Is that it?
0: Yeah. Exactly. Okay. Okay. So, this round is called Characters and Creatures. Alright, question one. What language does Chewie speak? Wookiee. Mm-hmm. Okay. You see five new creatures in The Last Jedi. What are they?
1: They're the Caretakers. Mm Mm-hmm. The Porgies. Yeah. The Silver Critters. The the dogs that are jangly. Mm
0: Mm-hmm. Do you know their names?
1: No. Okay. (laughs) Silver Critters. Uh... Well, I mean, we're not we're not are oh, the, the the horses that they ride mm-hmm. in Canterbite?
0: Yeah. You got one more.
1: What planet are we thinking?
0: It it really grosses you out. Mm.
1: Grosses me out or grosses everyone out?
0: I don't think you're alone <laughs> in it grossing you out.
1: I'm just trying to think working backwards. Oh, the um <laughs> the the blue milk um uh, water amphibian things.
0: <laughs> the sea sow. <laughs> oh, the tala siren, it's called. <laughs> yes. And it's a Volptex, the ice fox. Oh. But you did very well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, Was well, that
1: really necessary? Anyway, yeah. let's continue well, on. Well,
0: flow on question. Yeah. Hmm. What colour is the milk that he drinks?
1: Well, it, it's blue, but it's also got a bit of a hint of green in it. Yeah. I'd say. yeah like it's yeah, a bit yeah, luminescent. Green, yeah. Yep.
0: What are the dancing creatures on Passana in The Rise of Skywalker called?
1: Oh, God. That's like, that's the, um, like Star Wars Burning Man festival. Mm. Um, yeah, no, I don't know. <laughs> I've got no idea. Akai Akai. Oh,
0: Akai Akai. Yeah, yeah.
1: that's it. It's a festival of the Akai Akai. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
0: okay. This one, I don't know if you'll get this one or not. It's It might take a bit of, it might take a bit of process. So in the first six movies. Yep. 14 characters lose limbs. Yep. Yep. Which movie is the only one where no one loses a hand?
1: <laughs> uh, Phantom Menace. <laughs> no way. Yep.
0: <laughs> How did you get that? <laughs> <laughs> and so quickly, there was no counting of limbs. <laughs> it just, I was expecting a no, that's a leg. No, yep. that's an yep. arm. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Amazing. How old is Yoda when he dies? Bonus points for using Yoda's accent and the direct quote.
1: When over nine hundred years, you are um, uh, something about training Jedi. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. But look as good, you will not. <laughs> that's it. That's it.
1: I was going to say my own counsel will be keep, but that's from *Fandominus*. <laughs> <laughs> <Oops. laughs> She's lost it.
0: <laughs> I've lost it. What are some of the insults that Leia fires at Han? Scruffy Han looking nerf herder. <laughs> Perfect. Laser brain, I Laser quite brain. Liked. <laughs> That's
1: it. That's it. She yeah. talks about Chewie being a walking carpet.
0: Mm. What does Han say Wookiees do when they lose games?
1: Pull um, arms out of their sockets.
0: Mm-hmm. What game are Chewie, Finn and Poe playing at the start of Rise of Skywalker?
1: They're playing the hollow chess thing. Yep. Yep.
0: And last one, what does Rey get annoyed at Finn about when they first meet on Jakku?
1: On Jakku, mm. uh, he's wearing Poe's wearing, um, jacket, and mm. so BB 8 is telling Ray that he has stolen the jacket off
0: Poe. Mm. See, so that's technically correct, but I've got a different one. <laughs> oh, it, it repeats the as the holding hands? Through. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well done. So I was right and you were wrong. <laughs> <laughs> well, because I kind of figure that BB 8's the one who's angry.
1: Yeah, well, that's true. I guess that's true, yeah. 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 (laughs) All right, so let's take a break and then we'll be back with The Therapist Rises. (laughs) You're on Two Shrinks
0: Pod. See you soon.
1: Thanks for hanging out guys on this rather lengthy episode of ours. We I've got to say Amy and I have spent an inordinately large amount of time preparing for this episode. So worth it. <laughs> we, we 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 really appreciate you listening. This is our 60s episode so we thought we'd have a bit of fun. Mm-hmm. If you want to check out our back episodes, com, and you can follow us on Twitter at twoshrinkspod where we post mainly mental health links and things like that Mm. that we think are quite interesting or useful and occasionally funny. Mm. Or Amy trolls me on my Twitter account.
0: Every now and then. Mostly I just send private messages so that people, <laughs> people don't see the extent of how often I troll you <laughs> that's it. That's in day-to-day life.
1: We've noticed there's been uh, quite a lot more re- um, ratings and a few more new reviews on the um, Apple Podcast oh. Store. So that's great. And thanks for everyone else who rates and reviews on the other podcast app. You Do you listened? think the
0: person who said that we were like ASMR is listening?
1: I uh, hope so. Hello to that person. That Hunt, was on the American iTunes. Yeah,
0: story. Hunter didn't know what that was, and so I had to explain it.
1: Maybe we'll do a pot on that. Um, if you do, would have it be th- soothing? Uh, could be. Mm. Um, if, yeah, but like we do love a bit of feedback. Do love uh, conversation, suggestions, topics, that kind of um, stuff. Because I don't think we know what we're going to do after this.
0: Well, we do. What's that? Attachment.
1: Oh yeah, that's right.
0: <laughs> you haven't read the outline. <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, any anything you want to say? I don't know. S- help me out here. <laughs> we, need to, we need to end this bit.
0: I know. You, d- you just did it so sort of fluently and weren't looking at me and waiting for me to screw it up. Mm. And so I didn't oh, have the urge to screw it up. You'd love
1: to spring that anyway. Yeah. yeah you been listening to it. Drinks Pod.
0: We will um, continue with the therapist narrative and one final round of quiz questions.
1: Okay, we're back And uh, you might be able to tell when Amy says hello Say hello, Amy Hello, everyone That we are now doing this remotely So it's been a couple of week break between the recording of the main part of the pod And then this part of the pod And in that time, our city has now gone back into lockdown Good times, COVID
0: Yep, fantastic (sighs) That's that's
1: great I now have to wear a mask and goggles inside at the hospital Whereas Mm -hmm. I didn't have to do that previously Anyway Um. hope you're all keeping safe and thanks for sticking with us through this pod. So in the the week or two, Amy, where I've been editing this pod, my Mm. eight-year-old son gave me some feedback because he was listening to to the quiz bit and he corrected me. Of course. So he said that the Wookiee language is Shiri Wook. He Mm. said that Poe...
0: Two names written down. I had Wookie speak or Shiri Rook written down, and okay. I went, "Well, I'll give you points for either." Okay, yeah. But he's a far harsher critic than that's I it. Have.
1: That's it. He says that Poe drives a speeder in The Rise of Skywalker, and also in The Last Jedi. Okay. And he also pointed out that uh, there was an additional lightsaber, which right. uh, yeah, which was I think he says orange. Mm-hmm. I think it's yellow, personally. It's yellow. Yeah. So uh, yeah, <laughs> good. Good, so um, as a reward, I said he could play some music on the pod, so the guitar that you are currently listening to is my eight-year-old playing the Star Wars theme for you all. So um, usually we wrap up things on this pod with, if you've not heard us before, uh, with a segment called Things We Came Across, you know, a lighter segment. We talk about some weird research we stumbled across. So we are doing something different. What are we doing, Amy?
0: We're sticking with the Star Wars theme, and we're going to talk about the final trilogy. But it's an alternative reading. It's a little out there, but we want you to bear with us. So our question is, what is the last Star Wars trilogy about? The Force, the space opera battle between good and bad, between light and dark?
1: Our contention is that the final trilogy is none of these things. What is it? It's a story of a trainee therapist, Ray, and her journey to become qualified as a therapist whilst dealing with her own history of trauma that is triggered when she treats a client with dissociative identity disorder, Kylo. So what we're going to do is we're going to take a psychological reading and interpretation of these Star Wars films. If we're going to call it The Therapist Rises. You know, you can read... Films, various ways, post-colonial, feminist, psychoanalytic or tourism. This is the therapist reading it. <laughs> so when the prequels came out, Amy, I was doing my mm-hmm. clinical training. So I'd often thought about the whole Padawan master relationship in a similar way to clinical supervisor, clinical supervisee relationship. You know, and psychologists, we've got special
0: skills, man. So... Yeah. <laughs> And you're so in it when you're training, like everything's about it. So in it. (laughs) So before we run you through the movies, we want to define a key concept. So we think of the lightsaber as a tool of therapy, that when battles occur between two characters in the final trilogy, it's a therapeutic dialogue. In this reading, physical damage is metaphorical. So we're going to talk you through several examples of this, but if you go with this base concept, you should be able to follow along.
1: So basically, the lightsabers are out, therapy. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yep. Okay,
1: so kick us off with Force Awakens, Amy.
0: All right. The Force Awakens shows Ray as a new clinician. She joins the practice, the resistance. <laughs> Ray meets a retired clinician, Han, and bonds with the practice's therapy animal, Chewbacca, which Hunter isn't going to let me ramble about, but come on, he provides comfort after battle. He accompanies them when they venture out into the world. He's protective.
1: I'm cutting totally it, but anyway, better. it's fine. <laughs>
0: She soon assigned a new client, a complex young man with dissociative identity disorder, Kylo. In their first session, Ray feels restrained. She's tied up, but we think that's kind of metaphorical restraint. She's unable to respond to Kylo in the way she'd like to. He approaches her defensively, deflecting onto her own issues and taunting her. So he says stuff like, I can take what I want.
1: This second session, it's an outreach contact in the forest near his workplace. And that's much more conflictual. Kylo undermines her knowledge. You know, he's saying, oh, you know, you need a teacher, I can show you either ways and this triggers Ray and puts her you know metaphorically or literally on the back foot and although she's triggered what she does is she centers herself she sort of does Amy like a mindfulness exercise mm. Breeze regains control she unfortunately makes the mistake of many a young therapist she pushes too hard right so she goes too hard at him in therapy and so she wounds him and breaks through his defenses too quickly. And that creates a therapeutic rupture, which we think is symbolized by the fact that there is a massive rupture in the ground (laughs) between them, right? And then she basically scarpers off. So she fails to realize that the relationship is a mechanism of change in therapy. And so she's just focused on doing the therapeutic act, which is let's expose the trauma, let's go for the, the deep stuff. And so she leaves prematurely. After an outreach session with Kylo, she returns to the office, seeks support from her supervisor, Leia, and then she decides that she needs some specialist supervision from Kylo's previous worker, a troubled psychologist who's retired due to mental health issues, Luke.
0: The Last Jedi focuses on sessions between Rey and Kylo, and her seeking supervision and guidance from Kylo's retired clinician, Luke. Luke is burnt out and initially disinterested in providing supervision, symbolised by throwing the sabre away and refusing to engage in conversation with her about the client. Ray fails to engage Luke and resorts to using the practice's therapy animal. Luke starts talking. Ray then finds his clinical library and realises he still has some connection to the profession. She manages to pique his interest and he challenges her with a supervisory question about why she's wanting his assistance. Ray discloses her mental health issues to Luke and asks for a teacher.
1: Withdrawing from Ray, Luke then receives a message from an old colleague, which was the hologram of Leia, which is enough to draw him in to a limited capacity he uh, offers three pro bono supervision sessions although only only if it does two right (laughs) so the first therapy scene we see is that ray and kylo they're doing a zoom and while he's having his face mended (laughs) they're speaking from a distance limited visibility of their environment right maybe perhaps got like the the zoom blur thing on the background but yeah Mm. um Ray is seen shooting at Kylo at the start of the session. That, that's her attempt to delve into therapeutic content much too quickly. Again, Kylo is wanting to connect to to build the relationship, but realizes that she's spoken to his old clinician, and so this session is disrupted. Luke and Ray's first supervision session takes place on the hilltop, with him guiding her through a schema visualization activity. And as she relaxes into that activity, Ray's triggered and reveals her own trauma history to Luke. And he responds badly to her. He like, he like shames her for it, really, mm. uh, for this flashback. And so he withdraws. And then so Ray then gets defensive and challenges him back about his disconnection from the profession. Ray and Kylo continue therapy via Zoom. So that's that rain scene. And again, Ray is angry. She's pushing him therapeutically, and Kylo is now defensive and threatening in tone. He wants to speak about their connection, their relationship, and Ray pushes him away. You know, she's a murderous snake. Which you know, Amy. It's unprofessional.
0: It is. Yeah, you couldn't get away with saying that to a client. (laughs) No, no. So we next see her completing self-directed learning, training with the staff, and then the lightsaber on the hilltop. She hasn't quite mastered the technique yet and cuts the rock in front of her. Luke interrupts her learning with their second supervision session. He speaks about the limitations of therapy and of any one clinician. As the supervision session progresses, Ray flips the supervision to Luke's issues. We learn that Luke feels like he's failed Kylo and so doesn't want to return to therapeutic work. He emphasizes that his ego got in the way of treatment, and Ray states she believes that Luke didn't fail Kylo, Kylo failed him, which is another minefield. It's <laughs> Thinking nice that like a client you, has failed.
1: Yeah, clients don't it. fail you. Anyway.
0: Yeah. So overnight, Kylo contacts Ray via Zoom. It's out of hours, he's half naked, and Ray tries to set a boundary saying it's not a good time and then asking him to put clothes on.
1: Which is good. Right. Good that she did that.
0: Exactly. Yeah, it's very inappropriate that he did that. <laughs> Ray is challenging of Kylo about his father and he's defensive in response, bringing up her past. They discuss Luke and for the first time Kylo reveals his core self and the cause of his initial personality split. That scene where Luke is shown attacking him or trying about to attack him while he sleeps.
1: So Ray's trust in Luke is shaken by this session and then after that she attempts to confront her own memories, her own trauma issues and tries to get answers about her own family. But it's largely fruitless. Ray then returns Kylo's Zoom call and unprofessionally discloses her own trauma to him. They connect over their core pain, symbolised by them touching hands, and then Ray's supervisor, Luke, interrupts the session. Armed with the new information from a client, Ray challenges her supervisor, Luke, about the damage that he did to the client. She declares that she can help him and save him and leaves without the help of Luke.
0: Luke has a crisis and attempts to burn his clinical library, which I just found the most appalling scene in all you of
1: do books. You do tense up every time that happens. I
0: do. It's just horrific. You don't burn books.
1: And you and mocked he, me about the Rancor Keeper. Anyway.
0: And he hallucinates his old mentor, who reminds him the core purpose of a supervisor, that we are what we grow beyond. That is the true burden of masters. Ray attends Kylo's work, Snoke's ship, for an outreach visit to help him resolve conflict with his boss, Snoke. She facilitates his separation from him, and joining together, they fight his inner conflict. At the end of the session, Kylo again tries to extend their relationship beyond therapy. Ray's tempted, but flips it back to a therapeutic focus by re-establishing boundaries and trying to get the lightsaber back. They battle over the lightsaber, it breaks, and there's another rupture. This session seems to be a mixture of successful and destabilizing. It causes partial integration of Carlos dissociative identity alters, and we see a blend of unmasked, masked and angry angry teen alters. But it ends in a rupture between clinician and client. And once again, Ray buggers off. Yep, that's it. Without repairing.
1: That's it. So Luke returns to the service on, on Crate, unannounced, and then he checks in with the head of the service layer and conducts then an impromptu outdoor session with Kylo because he, well he well, Kylo's therapist has caused a rupture and so he's standing in, which can happen sometimes. Uh, Kylo's angry and upset and vulnerable in the presence of his former therapist. Luke apologises for failing him, which further angers Kylo rather than de-escalating him and luke does a classic sort of therapy thing which demonstrates that he can hold kylo he can still be empathetic regardless of what kylo fires at him at the conclusion he's sort of essentially very validating i reckon at the the end of the conclusion of the film ray sees kylo leaving his session with luke and she puts in boundaries symbolized by closing the falcon door and leaving in rise of skywalker our first encounter with ray is her completing some experiential training in the forest. She's focusing on her own self-regulation because of the rupture between Kylo and her, which is shaking her confidence. So that's, that's her doing the breathing and the, the, the floating rocks and all that, that stuff. And we think the, the bit with the training ball when she's on the training course uh, is, is actually Kylo and her, you know, Kylo and her battling. We thought that that was probably just actually a brief and antagonistic email exchange between the two.
0: Ray's supervisor Leia is seen asking her to start seeing clients again Ray's avoidant and doesn't share her internal experiences with Leia you know she pulls the classic I'm just tired Ray's team members Poe and Finn who we think are non-therapeutically trained case managers are annoyed that she's not picking up her caseload and going into the field but she requests further study leave looking for Exegol Leia reluctantly allows Ray to seek further study returning the lightsaber to her and expressing confidence that she's ready to start seeing clients again Kylo initiates the first contact in this film while she's at the Akai Akai festival.
1: She's, she's meant to be self-directing, you know, learning, and she's at a festival anyway.
0: Yeah, you think she's just partying. <laughs> That's it. He's annoyed that Ray has rejected him, and she defensively brings up his trauma and highlights the vulnerability in his mask. In Retaliation, he talks about how obvious her pain and anger is to him before stealing her jewellery off her chest.
1: Ray continues her trauma training with her colleagues. Her greatest skill level is shown when Poe lights his torch and Ray lights her lightsaber. So, you know, it's showing that she's got more therapeutic skills than him, right? When practicing a new therapy technique with a traumatized client, which was the serpent, Ray slows herself down, and then engages with the serpent and heals its wound. So, that's that trauma healing component. The next session, Kylo charges in at Ray in you know, a TIE fighter. She calms herself and then uses her skills to stop him cutting the TIE fighter up with her lightsaber. Then he challenges her, using the force, fighting over the ship. She loses control when she realises that her therapy animal has been kidnapped and shoots electricity out of her fingers. Ray then returns to her colleagues and confines in Finn about her countertransference transference with Kylo and her identification with his issues. She then reconnects with her therapy animal prior to visiting Kylo's home again, which I've got to say, well, she's seeking to retrieve her stolen property, Amy, but, you know, have you ever broken into your client's home?
0: Not that I can Ethically
1: like very this. dubious. <laughs> anyway. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so while searching his house, Ray receives a Zoom call from Kylo, who says he needs to see her. He encourages her to remember her trauma and triggers a flashback. Ray engages in this conversation, and Kylo once again tries to extend their relationship. Ray's firm in her response, and it's the first time we see her set a boundary without wavering first. Kylo and Ray's next session is in person, occurring on the wreckage of the Death Star. Ray's unprepared and has been dealing with her own issues. You know, she's battling Dark Ray. She enters the session defensive, and once again, Kylo draws her attention to the parts of her that are damaged. He highlights that she can't progress alone, and Ray is angered and dysregulated in response.
1: We see that Ray is then not able to therapeutically engage. She's not as efficient because her emotions are getting in the way. And it's notable that you can see that Kylo takes a while to become reactive in this session. He's initially defensive and then eventually brings out his lightsaber, right? When it becomes apparent he can't deflect her therapeutic advances without it. In the session, Leia is brought to mind in sort of like, what, how would you describe it?
0: Uh, I think about it as sort of envisioning a, a safe person.
1: And Kylo's core trauma is activated. Ray is then seen dealing with the trauma, stabbing him with the lightsaber and then healing the trauma. And then afterwards, what she's learned is to re-establish the connection between them. She doesn't scalp her off in this therapy session. She sits with him and says, I did want to take your hand, Ben's hand. As a result, Kyle is able to reintegrate and brings his core self, Ben Solo, to the fore.
0: Although this session has a positive outcome, Ray's left spiralling with complex emotions and a fear of hurting others. Luke intervenes and provides further supervision, building her self-efficacy and empowering her to confront her own perpetrator of trauma. In their final joint scene, we see Ben Solo join Rey in fighting Palpatine. We interpret this as metaphorical, that working with our clients sometimes inspires us, prompts us to address our own issues. In confronting Palpatine, she draws on her connection with Ben. This is not enough to sustain her and she dissociates. Rey is able to draw on her broader connections, so the other Jedis or therapists, to bring herself back into her body and finish confronting him. Remembering the love of her client helps to integrate her experiences and feel whole. The scene ends with Ray acknowledging the depth of her connection with Kylo and letting him go.
1: Ray's journey as a trainee ends with the supervisors expressing confidence in her skills as a therapist. She's now fully qualified, and as a result, they allow her to take over the Skywalker clinical practice. She celebrates this by changing the practice colours from blue and green to a nice new fresh yellow. <laughs> so thanks guys.
0: Yeah, thank you for going with it. <laughs> We're going to wrap up with one last set of oh, questions. Oh, for
1: for, I've forgotten about that. <laughs> but we do. We, I hope you uh, enjoy that because once we once we started viewing these films in terms of a therapy framework, uh, we could not see it. It was it was just one of those things.
0: And it made me appreciate them so much more than what I did before.
1: Yeah. Once you think about you know lightsaber battles as therapy. Anyway.
0: Exactly. Yeah. It was all in. <laughs>
1: All right. So, what's this? So, what's the topic of the quiz?
0: Uh, it's a bit of a hodgepodge. Okay. For the last bit. Yeah, we've got ten questions. Okay. Are you ready? Yes. Okay. In the early films, which group are mostly left-handed?
1: In the early films, so four, five, six.
0: Yeah, and I think one, two, three as well.
1: Well, more actors are left-handed than than you would normally expect in the general population. I've got no idea. I'm going to say the Jedi.
0: Almost all the stormtroopers are.
1: Really? No yeah. way.
0: Yeah. Their weapons are fired with their left hand. Okay. Which, and I'm asking these questions because you are left-handed. Yes, I, I know. Some left-handed <laughs> backs and <went>. okay. <laughs> Surprise <laughs> twist. Left-handed question. Okay. Which actor is left-handed and had to learn how to use a lightsaber right-handed? Mark Hamill? What's the name of the Ewok who finds Leia in the forest?
1: Wicket. Warwick. uh is it like Warren W Wicket?
0: If you flip it. it it's Wicket W. Warwick. Ah, oh, damn it. It's so good. I've got the little figure. Oh you do Yes, of
1: course I do. Of
0: course you do. What does yub dub mean in Ewokese?
1: It's like happiness or celebration or something.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's hooray. Yeah,
1: I can't I can't believe that I still it still bugs me at the end of Return the Return of the Jedi that Yub Dub is uh the song's not in it anyway
0: <laughs> It's a real problem How tall is Chewie?
1: Seven foot six <laughs> Nice
0: What is the name, and I had to ask you this Because it's your favourite part What is the name of the Rancor killed by Luke?
1: Oh, uh, Malachi No, no the, Oh no, Malachi's a keeper No, I don't know what the <laughs> name of the Rancor is
0: is the Rancor, the it, dead Rancor Batiza <laughs> I never knew that
1: Valet.
0: Okay, this one I didn't know and then now I can't unsee it Okay So the actor that voices Miss Piggy and the Muppets is in Star Wars as what character?
1: Nope, got no idea
0: Yoda <laughs> <laughs> He also voices the Cookie Monster Grover and Bert So there would be Frank Oz? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, Alright, one person outside the main characters uses the Force in The Last Jedi remember who it is
1: well they don't have a name they don't have a name well there's leia luke ray snoke kylo
0: it's kind of like a cameo I think it's a little little piece
1: in the last jedi mm-hmm. no
0: right at the end you know the little boy
1: oh yeah sleeping?
0: oh yeah He's yeah broom. broom boy yeah broom boy Picks up the broom with the force.
1: I think when I, I, think I was busting for the loo when I saw Last Jedi and I was like, oh,
0: broom boy, whatever. I'm out. He didn't notice he was using the force. <laughs> uh, why does Kylo's lightsaber glow on the cross guard as well as the blade?
1: Because it looks cool. <laughs> <laughs> it's, I think, I think they it's like vents to, there's too much power or something. And so they, they're vents to like let it out.
0: Close. The amount of power the crystal has cracked. So it kind of like comes out the side. Yeah. All right. This one I know that you're going to get because of how quickly you answered a similar question <laughs> previously. Which film's first lines are spoken by droids?
1: Which film's first lines? There's two. So it would be A New Hope. Yep. And Return of the Jedi.
0: Mm-mm. No? No.
1: Is it a prequel?
0: Oh, see, now I'm forgetting the order.
1: Is it Attack of the Clones?
0: No, it's R two D two.
1: Yeah, that doesn't really narrow it down. <laughs> so it's not it's not Phantom Menace. I would have thought maybe it was Attack of the Clones, but it's not Attack of the Clones. Revenge of the Sith. Nice. <laughs> that is it.
0: That is the last of the questions. <laughs> I feel like I got incrementally harder as we went through all of the quiz questions.
1: <laughs> that was the that was the hardest. That was the hardest that was one. The most brutal.
0: <laughs>
1: I should not I have. I should not have given you more time to prepare.
0: You really shouldn't have, because after we did the last ones, I went, shit, he knows his stuff more than I thought. I'm going to have to be specific. <laughs> I am pleased that you got the Ewok name, though, because you were telling me that you didn't know Ewok names. And you said, please tell me there's none that there are any. You know, in, no the,
1: there's about. Lumet, Logre, Romba, you
0: were to Wicked. Me to
1: get me uh. Oh, there's a couple more anyway
0: (laughs) Well done (laughs) (laughs) You did beautifully
1: (laughs) So thanks everyone for listening If you think we got something wrong You got some comments You want us to talk about some of the different characters twoshrinkspod at gmail.com Or at us on Twitter at twoshrinkspod Check out our website twoshrinkspod.com Rate, review us if you can And may the force be with you
0: We'll see you next time
1: See ya Good afternoon. Uh, My name is Dr. Hunter Mulcair. Uh, I am leading the case conference here today on the Death Star. And um, zooming in from Endor, we have our clinical triage worker who's working with the uh, crisis assessment team down on Endor. Her name is Amy Donaldson. Welcome, Amy. Thank you. And uh, you have a young chap that you are going to tell us about. The file says Luke Skywalker. You think he might have psychosis? Uh, Can you tell me a bit about him?
0: Sure. So he's originally from Tatooine where he worked as a farmhand. Adopted parents died in a suspicious house fire. Developmental history is unknown, but reports he has a twin sister whom he was separated from at birth. He's received military training and has some odd spiritual beliefs.
1: Right. Any recent stresses that you know of?
0: He recently rescued his smuggler friend who was imprisoned by a vile gangster, and also his spiritual mentor recently died.
1: Okay, so what's this guy like?
0: He's 23, dressed in black, Aryan complexion, blonde hair, blue eyes, and is little shorter than a stormtrooper. Polite, but with a slight air of superiority, lacking in charisma. His speech was normal in rate, whiny in tone, didn't pick up on any formal thought disorder, pretty logical and coherent within his delusional system.
1: Delusional system? Tell us about that.
0: He believes he's in great danger because he's the son of an evil wizard who can hurt him without physical contact and communicate telepathically with him at a great distance. Thinks he has the same power but wasn't grandiose about it.
1: Okay, so he's got persecutory and messianic delusions. How's his mood?
0: Dysthymic. Appears troubled, which is consistent with cognitive themes. Affect was controlled and limited in range.
1: Are we thinking negative psychotic symptoms?
0: Nah, not severe enough. They're more in keeping with someone who's had plastic surgery or limited experience with acting. But he has some auditory and visual hallucinations. He intermittently hears voices of his father and his deceased mentors. These are command or threatening in content. He also said he's seen and spoken to ghosts several times. And he believes that his right hand was replaced with a robotic one. Good. He does appear oriented to time, person, place and has no noticeable deficits in memory or reasoning. IQ is pretty consistent with a lack of formal education. But he's concrete in thinking. For example, he believes people are all good or all bad.
1: So what's he doing down there if he's from Tatooine?
0: He says he's here to confront his father and free the universe from an evil empire. And although alone, we suspect he has friends in the forest. He's aware that he's hearing voices, but no insight into his delusional beliefs.
1: Yeah, his presentation doesn't sound like he knows he needs help. Okay, how risky is this guy?
0: Well, he appears calm and denied homicidal ideation, but did attend the interview armed with a laser sword. (sighs) Denies suicidal ideation or intent. One previous suicide attempt by jumping off a high platform when visiting friends at Cloud City. Reports a history of interpersonal violence when threatened. Disregard for laws and authority, including breaking into a cell block and releasing a prisoner.
1: Hmm, I got a bad feeling about this one, Amy. Okay, I think we need a safety plan to deal with the risk to his father. First things first, can someone get on to his dad? See, we've got two aliases for him here. He's either a navigator on a freighter or the best star fighter in the galaxy. Any word of his mum?
0: He states he has no memory of her, but tells me she was a senator and a queen.
1: Of course she was. And I suppose we need to work out a plan of how we're going to manage risk to staff should he continue to present armed. He seems agreeable. Yeah. Okay, so we can probably train reception staff to ask for his laser sword when he comes in. Perhaps we could speak to the mental health team on Coruscant about lightsaber O H and S training, and uh, let's give Gary, our stormtrooper liaison at the, the military base, a heads up and ask him to keep an eye out for any of Luke's supposed friends in the forest. That is, if they aren't eaten by the Ewoks first. All right, let's go. No. 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 No.
2: No. No you <laughs>